Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I don't like blood I just want to say that Paul and I were talking about some minor life complications and stress and just turning on this recorder and pressing record means up to three hours of not having to deal with that and just that talk, right. with, talk with a buddy about that is a, right. a movie. All the, all, the, all the minor troubles and inconveniences of life involving audio problems to TV, uh, on your TV to uh, your fridge conking out. Yeah. Uh, hey, might be some gremlins. Maybe we got some gremlins Sounds like there. It. And look, we're not going to tell you who's having the TV problem and who's having the fridge problem. That's no. just keeping it spicy. It's a little <laughs> mystery. Maybe, though, um, maybe we, we could say who we are, though. I'm ready when you Okay, are. okay, okay. Uh, I'm uh, one of the co-hosts of this pod- podcast, Paul Rust. And I'm Matt Gorley, and this is With Gorley and Rust. Wow, wow, yeah. wow. That was a fun intro. Yeah, just We had to just get that off our chest so we could just be free. And, you know, yeah. that's what this show's all about, is being free and cozy and talking at length about great and not-so-great horror films as we go through this season of one-off films. Today, it's Motel Hell. Yes, number eight on our, on our, on our ten, Motel Hell. That's very exciting, and I agree with you, uh, Gourley. It's the best way to, uh, to, spend, uh, to, to throw your troubles aside is uh, talking about a movie with a buddy. I've been living for this one, not for the film <laughs> necessarily, but just needing this this. Time. I, yes. This has become, I think, my weekly therapy. Yeah, definitely. Our Thursday sessions are um, an oasis. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wake up in the morning with a little bit of um, anxiety. Yeah, because I'll think, you know, I future trip a little bit, Gorley. I'll start thinking about what I got to do at five p.m. that day, four oh, p.m. Same, that day, same. instead of being in the present. Um. So I get a little anxious, but I'm, I, I clocked it this morning when I woke up. I was like, what am I doing today? Oh, I'm doing the pod. No anxiety. Same. 
Same. I, I think I carry hard drives and terabytes of anxiety with me from morning to night. And this is one of the few times when it just, I can't, it, it, there's a firewall for anxiety because it. Yeah. You know, I don't know if this entirely relates, but I was reading the Wikipedia page on dark humor. Uh, like uh, as a concept? Yeah. The genre of black comedy, dark humor. Okay. And then at the very end, it said that there was a poll in like 2017 or, or not a poll, a study that was like people who love black humor, black comedy, who, who enjoy it also have, um, uh, less, uh, are less aggressive and, uh, in life. Oh, I've heard that about angry. horror movies in general too. Yeah, so I was gonna say I think with horror movies too, it's like uh um and we've talked about how like you meet a horror fan and they're all sweetie pies. Uh um, so many of them are sweetie yeah. pies who just like uh, and and horror filmmakers are a lot of times yeah sweetie pies. And so I wonder if uh this all relates where sort of like uh because maybe it's not um, anger we have, but anxiety mm. to go and watch a, a bizarre movie where people are getting buried up to their heads <laughs> and getting to one. talk about it is like a, a lot more uh, fun way of uh, processing things. It's like reading a, a funny. Well, this is black comedy, I guess I should it say. Certainly yeah. is. I, ha- how, how I had no that? idea, by the way. I had no idea that this was a black comedy. And yeah, there, there has to be something to that catharsis of a horror movie in particular because it is so traumatic. And then usually with a horror movie, unless it's got like a kind of twist, but usually you get probably the most catharsis of almost any kind of movie because you're going from death, like the fear of dying, to yeah. vanquishing the villain in some way. I mean, it'd be such a hard thing to figure out or quantify or whatever. But, like, I, I am curious, like, how if somebody who is enraged all the time, <laughs> if, like, a horror movie is a good cathartic experience because your catharsis is getting rid of the rage, right? Or if people who are enraged actually don't like horror movies because it's just, like, pressing buttons the whole time. And and enraged wow. is a cloudy word. I know that that's like a, a, a thing you can't really per the percentage to. It's just more yeah. of a hypothetical I'm putting out there. Like, do uh, what is the catharsis? Is the catharsis like I'm anxious? I see the world as a anxiety-inducing place, and so the catharsis is a horror movie is like a safe place to put it. And if I was not anxious. Uh, watching a horror movie would kind of be like, why am I bringing on anxiety that I don't want to... That's a good question. I can only say for me, I feel like... I know my anxiety often is I just have anxiety, and so it attaches to... Let's say everything's great in my life for a week. It will find the smallest problem and make that a a mountain out of a molehill. Um, And I know you came to the Motel Hell episode for the most (laughs) philosophical discussion, but... I, about, her, about her feelings and emotions. <laughs> I think a horror movie is 
just that. So it's like a, a magnet for your anxiety. And it's so in the middle and like where the crisis hits, you probably are peaking your anxiety, but you're also aware that it's like at a distance and it takes your anxiety and then gives you a resolution and yeah. a relief that I think I often don't get in real life. My anxiety is always underlying. So it's rare that I have a, a reprieve from it. And it's interesting because, again, I don't mean to make Motel Hell the philosophical <laughs> episode, but there was a line by Rory Calhoun in this where he's comforting Terry in a very uh, problematic scene. But he does say something really profound where he says, Oh, there's always you. Yeah. yeah. You, you're not alone. You've always got you. This is going to sound corny. And if this is your first episode <laughs> listening to With Gorley and Rust, I urge you. To, to save your judgment for another episode. But last night I went to sleep and I went, because I always have anxiety when I'm falling asleep and my head's yeah. just burning through everything and yep. it's a roller coaster of thoughts. And I'm like, wait a minute, I do have me and I have other people in my life too that I'm super grateful for that are better than me. But I just went, I'm a, I'm asleep, I'm sleep, or I'm not, I'm trying to go to sleep. I'm alone. I can't talk to anybody because Amanda's asleep. I do have me. I'm just going to talk to myself in my head. That's good. And have a nice little pleasant conversation. Yeah. And you know who I have to thank for that? Rory fucking Calhoun <laughs> from Motel Hell. What if he improvised that line? That oh. that wasn't scripted, but it was like a, a, a piece of wisdom that Rory Calhoun gained in his years. It was like, I'm going to put this into Motel Hell because I think... Be, that what, would what, make sense. What was great about the scene was like, I thought it was going to be... Because they had some sort of Bible bent yeah. to them... I thought he was going to say, well, you're never alone. You always have God or, I did or the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so when he said yourself, I was like, that's, a, that's actually a pretty comforting thought there, uh, Rory Calhoun. That may Vincent. be that he probably did improvise it. You're probably right because it doesn't really gel with the script necessarily. It's A, too profound and B, like you said, like what are all these preachers being here for? That yeah. was a weird through line that they never quite did anything with. You mean Reverend Wolfman Jack? <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, the uh, like, the baton relay nudie mag that just kept getting passed on? Oh, my God. I think that um, my favorite comic moment in the movie was the um, nudie mag. Like, when it went from, how did it go? It was, uh, the cop was looking at a nudie mag. Yeah. The reverend catches him. Uh-huh. The guy goes, this isn't mine. The, the cop goes, that's not mine. I confiscated it yeah. from some kids. And then the reverend's like, well, then maybe you should just give it to me. Mm-hmm. And then he takes it. And then the reverend looks at it. So the joke is like, even the reverend mm-hmm. wants to look at the duty bag. Then this is where my mind like took off. I thought this was pretty funny. And the next scene the woman's reading it. Yeah, Ida. Ida. The cop comes in, Bruce, and he goes, uh, <laughs> you pervert, what's wrong with you reading this nudie bag? It's brilliant. I I was like, that is a very, uh, in terms of satire, like a pretty funny three minutes that yeah, I just saw. Very yeah. brilliant. And it also, I'm just realizing, kind of had an interesting through line of Ida as interested in, in women because she also gives her kind of, she gives Terry a real gaze before she tries to kill her in the, the tubing. In the tubing, that's yeah. That's not quite I, in a lake. It's more in some kind of reservoir of some kind. I'm not sure what that was. There's definitely a big, uh, wide, high-angle shot of it to let us <laughs> try know, to figure out what times. it is. But I still couldn't. I noticed, yes, uh, uh, Ida's longing glance at uh, Terry when they were tubing. Yeah. And I, that, that was also... Um, 
that moment that I thought was like, that was scary to me. Yeah. When she looked at her and then I was like, it went from romantic interest to I'm going to kill you. And then um, I thought the like in broad daylight getting killed and getting attacked in a lake uh, was really scary. Yeah, it, it was, was a scary image. Yeah, because you feel like you should be safe. You're in not only in broad daylight, but like pure sunlight in what otherwise is a very pleasant situation. Yeah. Tubin. Do you love Tubin? Do you like a good lazy river? I mean, that seems like cozy, uh, I, the cozies. I guess I don't even know that I've actually gone Tubin. And we're not talking Jeffrey Tubin. We're talking <laughs> inner Tubin. I don't think I've ever gone to, but I've been in a tube in a pool, but never, I don't think in, oh, no, wait, I did this whole Yosemite River tube ride once where they pick you up in a bus because you went so far. That was amazing. Oh, you start at the top of the river and then the bus comes down and and the whole time you're just in one tube by yourself or were you sitting in a big tube with people? It was one tube, but I, I was with other people. I was in high school and so there were like four of us just tubing. Just tubing. That's fun. Have you tubed? You must have tubed. Uh, well, you know, I've done the like ones at water parks that are like the oh. big lazy river ones. Okay, are, I've done those, yeah. Uh, those are fun. Um, I did tubing, <laughs> I think when I went to Austin uh-huh. once, um, uh, they have like a kind of public municipal lazy river sort of thing. I'm remembering this thing from like 2005 correctly oh, that when I went. Sounds pretty good. Uh, and then uh, when I was a kid, we'd go to Yankton, South Dakota. Oh, I remember they always refer to that in Deadwood. Deadwood, yeah, yeah. yep. And it's also um, the location of the prison where John McTiernan went to in real life for wiretapping fraud or something, yes. right? Or, yeah, yeah. I was like, so when I go home to Iowa, sometimes I'm like, should I go visit McTiernan? In prison, but we'd go to Yankton. Yeah, it's like big uh, Deadwood uh, territory. And I think uh, oh, Tom Brokaw is also from there. Oh, Yankton. <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you. Wow, I wouldn't mind him coming back occasionally. <laughs> Maybe we will. Smith, do you think you could get Tom Brokaw, the real Tom Brokaw, on the pod? He's already dialing his phone. This is oh. crazy. Wow. But he's just going by the TB, the initials TB in his phone and his contacts. I hope it, that is Tom Brokaw, not Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> it oh, is Terry Bradshaw? It is Terry Bradshaw. He don't, only found that after he called him. Yeah, don't, don't, don't. don't, don't we don't, don't want Terry Bradshaw. No, no. I mean, I like Terry Bradshaw. I do too. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's also T Bob from the cartoon Mask. Weird. Huh. Tom Bruce, the <laughs> roller derby <laughs> girl. Tom Bruce. <laughs> he's the he's the version of Tom Cruise that has failed at all those extreme stunts for the Mission Impossible. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my gosh. I fell if, right off the plane. <laughs> if the Hollywood reporter hasn't used Tom Bruce yet to talk about his like love for stunts, that's they should. Uh uh Wait, so oh Tubin. Yeah, we'd go to Yankton and it has a big lake. Mm. And uh, I'd um, probably, you know, some kids got to grow up in Manhattan and their parents would take them to the Lincoln Center mm-hmm. to see the ballet or opera. Um, my parents would pull me in a tube behind a boat <laughs> at a big lake. I mean, 
That's six one half dozen of the I gotta other. say, I, I, you know, you, you, uh, you love the bond you grew up with. So I love going to lakes and getting pulled around in tubes. It's actually really, really fun. You're giving me an idea. Yeah. Okay. How waterproof are microphones? Because if we were to just get a couple of tubes and we did an episode later this year when it's a little warmer. Uh, in a pool? In a pool. Oh my God, that's great. We could also maybe do it as a, um, if we do a commentary, we could also watch a movie sitting with our waterproof mics. Should we do that for Jaws where we set up the movie, we'd have to do it at night, but it'd be a hot enough night where we'd be tubing in the pool. Yeah. And uh, maybe just, uh, yeah, as a fun bonus or a monthly... Oh my god! And then people can recreate it. They go out in their own boat with Quint and Hooper, and you listen to the commentary. I've done an episode of Pistol Shrimps Radio in a hot tub before, Ooh. but I think there's a way to do it. If we were to, if I set up two poles that were tall enough that the microphone wire was suspended above the pool. Oh, I see. And we would just be have to be careful about holding it. Cause how much electricity is running through these things? It can't be much because this thing's battery powered. Well, you know, my favorite thing in comedy, though, is the electrocution gag. So even if it <laughs> did happen, I think we'd be covered just in terms of just laughs. Throughout, we'd just be fake electrocuting ourselves. Yeah, I you're think- giving me a... That's really trusting me, uh, Gorley, because you know... I'm a clumsy MFer, so oh, why there's going to be I'm two bikes in the pool, exciting. being wrapped up in wires underwater, and, <laughs> and I pull the movie screen in with me, spill coffee everywhere inside the pool. Uh, well, should we uh, f- first general thoughts on Motel Hell 1980? Yeah, should we check in? Is yeah. this the, is this the um, we're calling in and leaving a reservation portion, and then the sort of like scene by. Seen as the checking into Motel Hell. I, I just want to figure yeah, out the this, terminology. Yeah, this is our Travelocity check-in. Or I guess, no, we're calling actual Motel Hell for a reservation. <laughs> then we take our journey where we just discuss whatever to the hotel. And then when we get to the hotel, we do the sort of scene by scene. Sort thing. of scene yeah. by yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, <clears throat> uh, general thoughts. Attention, general thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Reporting for duty. General <laughs> thoughts and major uh, uh, takeaways. Uh, okay, so I will say, um, I thought this movie was really fun. Okay, good. And I had a great time. And uh, uh, I, even though it's like uh, in a John Waters way, kind of gets gross sometimes and isn't a, the most pleasant thing to always be looking at. I really, really do love the overall like vibe mm. and tone. Like that clicked with me in a big way. I was like, I like that this is scary, funny, bizarre, <laughs> and satirical. Like all of those things together. I, I really, uh, if in reflection, when I think back about this movie, I think that's what all most things was like. Man, they did a bunch of different tones, and it it <laughs> actually sure kind of worked. It did it yeah. like there wasn't any point where I was like, "Ooh, this is these two. The only thing that I thought was like this is not part of this movie, and it doesn't feel right is like the like uh, uh, 
Dukes of Hazard esque like car stuff of just like splattering and mud and that had to be a Smokey and the Bandit influence because that's yeah. three years after Smoking the Bandit, but Smoking the Bandit was a slow burn, so it was still big and Cannibal Run and you know yeah I mean if this movie came out in eighty and maybe it was made in seventy nine two years after Smokey yeah. you're still in the Smoky sphere. Yeah, the smoky sphere. Yeah, because when they clear out that lover's lane and all those cars just start, and it, basically they're ripping off Eastbound and Down one for one almost as a song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I th- That scene where a bunch of naked people jump out. And you <laughs> D- see, you see they nudity. They don't stay in their car. Yeah. They jump right. out of their car. Why? <laughs> it's so easy. You just climb over to the front seat and drive away or stay in the front seat and drive away. There's no need to jump out. Uh, when I saw all the naked people running around and then a bunch of cars splattering in mud trying to get away and crashing into each other, I was like, oh, they knew they had to check off two boxes in the exploitation movie checklist yeah. of nudity and car crashes. And they're yeah. like, we could do it in one scene. It'll be very easy. We'll do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might require some naked people jumping out of their cars for, for no a moment. Reason. But, yeah. And they kind of half-assed both, to be honest, because it's not like there was no great car stunt. Nope. And all the nudity is just a weird sort of like... Blurred, non-erotic. Yeah. Like yeah. there's a fully nude woman, but she's wearing tennis shoes <laughs> it's <laughs> and that just feels like the actress going a you want why would i jump out my character wouldn't do that b there's like a uh, little spikes on this floor little what needles. the director like use those two things where he's like so you want to wear shoes and you need the motivation to get out that's why you get out because the shoes you want to show off the shoes <laughs> she's like that works Wow, you're good. You're a great director. Uh, uh, what are your um, general thoughts? Uh, uh, well, to duty. This was my, for duty. general general thoughts. This is this was my pick because I was always curious about this movie as a kid, and I thought for sure it was a straight up horror movie. Mm-hmm. And I never seen it. Yeah, yeah. Did you know it was a dark comedy? Like, um, I think I knew because in fourth grade. I got the Roger Ebert um, collection of reviews, <laughs> and I read it. his review for Motel Hell, because sometimes that was the only way to see a horror movie is to read the review of it or, and yeah. have it in your mind. And uh, He liked it, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember him liking it and being surprised that, by that, because he usually didn't like horror movies. And then um, there must have been in the reviews some suggestion that mm. it was slightly goofy or something. Um, but the extent of the goofiness and like what kind of goofiness it was, was a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know that. And I believe at some point, even in the marketing, they tried to market it as a straight up horror movie. So to get people in seats. So it wasn't until anybody saw it that they really huh. knew that. And it was originally a dark script, but the, when the director came on board, he wanted to tone down the gore. I think there was some bestiality in it that he took out and he wanted to make it more of a comedy. Um, <laughs> So I was thrown a little bit, and I guess I was disappointed is a harsh word because I didn't have high expectations for this, and I still enjoy the process of whatever movie we're watching. Mm-hmm. So there were moments I really liked, but then there were times where I was just like, "What? what's going on here? But you could really put on any movie that looks like that in the 80s, just kind of shot on a medium to low budget, and yeah. I, I'm just loving it, you know? But, yeah. but as a movie... I was like, eh, you know, I don't yeah. know why. Because 
I don't know. We'll figure it out and we'll see. Yeah, I don't think it's like, I like that it was bizarre. All the bizarre stuff was really, um, I mean, we'll get, we can talk about it more, but my yeah. favorite scene, I think, was the like hypno. The astral projection. Color of the guys of the garden. I was just like, this, I love this. Yeah, scene. that that's when it finally coalesced to me of like, oh, we are kind of in a, like, I don't know, like a John Waters or. Bizarro yeah. movie. Just like a. Yeah, um, I mean it's uh, it's funny. I mean maybe it would always work this way, no matter what order of the movies we watch. But it does kind of work with Sleepaway Camp, and that they're both kind of these like ultra. Um, yeah. How do you spell that? O- or how do you say that? O u t r e with the little. Yeah, I'll try. Yeah, just like uh, the filmmaker's goal seems to be. To be weird. Yeah. And to like be bizarre. Maybe like you could say Drag Me to Hell or The Brood wants to be bizarre, but I think they're also aspiring for something else. It's like Sleepaway Camp and Motel Hell like is aspiring to be a maybe like a midnight movie. Like yeah. they want to be a yeah a cult movie or something. I don't know. I think you're right. And it's hard when a movie's so much older to separate what doesn't work because it's dated and what is trying to yeah. be kind of ironic in its own right because it's really easy just to say oh the whole thing fails because it's so old but no some of that is intentional and you have to give it that kind of credit I guess but I was also I think the hardest part for me was this is just maybe on me too when you you're introduced to Bruce as Rory Calhoun's younger brother he calls him his kid brother and I'm like don't you just mean kid (laughs) this is my kid baby brother emphasis on baby compared to you in age yeah and I must have missed something but I was halfway through the movie three quarters in before I realized Ida was his sister and not his bride and so I couldn't I couldn't understand why why he was so openly going after Terry and she was fine but she was jealous so it kind of played and yeah and also if Bruce is Vincent's kid brother, and Ida is Vincent's uh, sister. Doesn't that mean Ida and Bruce are siblings as well? They are, aren't they? Yeah, but like it doesn't. It's weird how they. But also, what's difficult? like for the? I, you're right. It's not until the very end that you find Ida and them are like siblings. And maybe that's like not intentional. It's just sort of like the whole time you're watching, you're kind of like, what's their? Yeah. Are they sexual? Or are they not? I, I, they seem asexual, but... And the other thing that's confusing about that is that Bruce seems to be in on the whole yes. plan and then suddenly is like, I've got to stop this. I didn't know about this. I was disappointed when I found out that Bruce wasn't in on it because when I, he first got introduced, I was like, oh, that's a great idea. That's like really clever. Uh, these two people can operate as they do because the cop yeah. is in on it. Yeah. And it's then, too late when he says, I ran away. He says that at the very end, doesn't he? Yeah. And I ran away when I was young. He, I didn't hear that. That he came back? No. He Well, I guess he, he ran away when he was young and then became a cop, the sheriff. And then, I guess, kind of came back in his capacity as sheriff and then brother. I, yeah, it's not yeah, the other uh, <laughs> The other logic thing. <laughs> That uh, that goes a little bit with that about like him coming and going is because as far as the actual location goes, like um, it didn't look a lot like a motel. No, it wasn't. <laughs> right? It wasn't. I 
I always imagine when like I turn a Taco this, Bell or something. Yeah, when I turn this on, I always thought this is going to be a wooden, you know, like clapboard psycho cla- psycho Bates Motel. Yeah. It's it's not. It's kind of like an Adobe Ranch style mission style home because it's shot at Sable Ranch in Santa Clarita Valley, and that's just the front facade of the stables. And so, oh. the, I think that. There's a sign that says cabins, like the rooms are supposed to be cabins, but you never see a room. No. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, the, right. Precisely. And the, uh, so what I was thinking, like, it's not motel hell because it's not the conce- It's not like Psycho, where it's like we wait for people to check out a room, and when they check in a room, we kill them, and then we turn them into meat. They did that just to the like two quote unquote. Perverts. Yeah. Yeah, the swingers. Yes. The other people, it's it's because they're setting up traps on the road. <laughs> I know. So they, their tires blow out, and then they just get knocked out, and they kill them. So it was like, this seems more... And then most of it is then putting them, planting them in a garden, and feeding them, right? So they get bigger yeah. to eat them later. Um, that's a, a farm hell. That's not motel hell. You're right. Because they never. That's agriculture hell. You never really see them be motel operators. They run a smoked meat business. So it's really. Do you know my hunch? What? Why they did the motel thing at all? They what? just wanted to do the motel hello, oh, breaking down 100%. motel hell sign. I have that in my notes that this is absolutely, I'd say 96% <laughs> title first, then let's make a movie. Yeah, because yeah. if you read the script and it didn't have a title, you would call it like Blood Farm or yeah, yeah, you'd call it Killer Farmers, <laughs> v- Farmer Vincent Smoked Meats. Yes, that's what, what's their slogan? Uh, uh, that, that's uh, but it is or wait, I it haven't takes written down. all kinds of critters to make Farmer Vincent's fritters. Or oh, that's pretty good. Oh no, Farmer Vincent Smoked Meats. This is it. Oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is it. He was ahead of the curve of like the just do it yeah. and the real thing slogans, like the kind of like evocative, yeah. simple words. This and, is it. And what's the song? This is it. I don't Is that, uh, is that, that sounds like McDonald's? Michael McDonald? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> what would it be if Tom Brokaw sang that? <laughs> this, this is it. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> Tom Brokaw should have his own solo album oh, of I know. Willie Nelson covers. Yeah, so the title's a bit of a misnomer. Yeah, you're right. Um, and that's okay. What a weird thing, though, to, to say, like, hey, we fell upon this great title, let's make a movie out of it, and then to go that way with it. Yeah, and then not to go, well, then let's really think about how this would be a, a motel hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about it, it's like, maybe they couldn't do that because... That's just psycho. It is just psycho. That's just psycho. Hey, man, and, then, just psycho. and then also, it's like, pretty easy for the cops to figure out what's going on. Yeah, you're Because right. people check in and they don't check out. Or yeah. they do check out. But Yeah. But the... To heaven. It's the Motel Calif- fell. 
Oh yeah, what are the rules of the Hotel California? You do check out. You che- you can check out, but you can never leave. Is that right? Uh oh. Uh oh. That's the Beverly Hills Hotel. Is it? Mm, I think the album cover for the Hotel California is the back of the Beverly Hills Hotel. Oh. Now whether the Hotel California when they're singing about it. No, maybe they are sp- singing about also specifically the Beverly Hills Hotel. I thought it was supposed to be an insane asylum. Ooh, that's that's what this whole state is. It's a state of oh, man. psychosis. It is. I bet you Motel Hell is Hotel California. Farmer Vincent's Motel Hello. Welcome to the Motel California. Yeah, it checks out. You check in, but you can never leave. Mm-hmm. Warm smell of Kalitas. I don't know what that means. No one does, right? I think that's an unexplained lyric. What are Kalitas? There is some explanation, I think, but anyway. What do you, um, uh, have we talked Eagles on, on this, this pod? Sh- no, before? I don't believe so. Because they are kind of a, if somebody was making a list of top five easy listening bands. And a California band, right? Yeah. I bet the Eagles would be on that list. Yeah. So maybe as an easy listening horror podcast we should just briefly talk about easy listening we have to do our due diligence (laughs) um now i know it's cool to hate the eagles yeah um that said i kind of hate the eagles (laughs) i'm not a big so i'm not trying to chase coolness here maybe i am a bit but i get it i don't i mean the music's the best because it it either turns you on and blows your mind or it doesn't mm-hmm. and so it's a pretty easy thing to figure out and when a eagle song comes on the radio or whatever i don't i don't get excited and it doesn't make me happy yeah uh well how do you feel about the i eagles? think i'm the same way i think it's it's all about where the song came from for me so the don henley ones i can't take them i can't i know it's also you know it's cliche to say all don henley songs are just black holes but they kind of feel that way yeah but like the jackson brown ones where he kind of play with him like take it easy i can kind of get on board with that yeah and who's the guy who says life's been good oh joe walsh yeah joe walsh in the eagles as well. i got a license goes about four <laughs> it's hard to leave when you don't know a door <laughs> That song is incredible. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So anything Joel Walsh maybe brought to the Eagles table, I'm okay yeah. with too. Yeah. Um, but um, where do you fall on Timothy B. Schmidt? <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> He's just the one member that nobody knows. <laughs> Sorry, Schmidt. Yeah. I watched about Schmidt, hoping it was about him, so I it could wasn't? figure out. <laughs> John, Jack Nicholson wasn't playing Timothy B. Schmidt. Maybe he was. If I rewatch it with that, you should. <laughs> I think I just. Went back and forth on three different realities there. I <laughs> see. I went and saw it because I thought it was about him, and then it was. Uh, but uh, 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 the um, one observation I did hear about the um, Eagles versus Steely Dan mm. is that um, uh, because sometimes they can seem like they're coming from the same stew, and I think they even shared management and Steely Dan name checks. Um, uh, the Eagles in a song. Really? Yeah, it's like turn up the Eagles. It's a it's a it's a funny line about we're a couple is arguing, so let's oh. just turn up the Eagles so people can't hear us oh, wow. argue. And then the Eagles um, 
in Hotel California. He says the Steely Beast or something. They just oh, you just can't kill the Steely Beast or catch he, or something. Yeah, yeah, that's a reference to Steely Dan. Oh wow, Trading and then references subtweeting. Yeah, when bands subtweet each other, it's fun. Yeah, but somebody I forget who said it, but the distinction between the two because I like Steely Dan, but I don't like the Eagles. And somebody was explaining how you could that how that could be the case is. The Eagles, oh, because they sing about the same sort of stuff, too, like California decadence yeah. and stuff. Yeah. The Eagles are at the party, and they're singing about it. Oh, Steely yeah. Dan is outside the party looking in singing and singing in. about it. The Eagles are singing out, and the Steely Dan's singing in. Yes. I, okay, that, that works. Yeah, which is, in general, probably is how I like something. Like when somebody's yeah, in too. the thing and singing about it, I was like, hmm. Be snotty about it a bit. Yeah. 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 I'm with you there. Where do you think Motel Hell, Phil? Do you think the filmmakers were, were are, <laughs> have their own Motel Hell? Or do you think they stand outside the Motel Hell? I think they stand outside because they don't know anything about motels. <laughs> they just, but I bet they have their own smoked meat business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably know the filmmakers know more about smoking meats than running a, a yeah, hotel. I, Do you I, like hotels? Motels or hotels? Uh, well, I guess motel. Well, either, both. Tell me, do you? Uh, uh, under the right circumstances, I love motels. I don't know that I've been to a m- motel. Did I say hotel? I love hotels. I don't remember the last. M- I went to a motel, maybe. Three or four years ago in Los... Ah, God. I, I want to say it's called Los Alamos, but it's California. Hmm. It's not like the nuclear testing site. <laughs> it's up by mm, Pismo Beach or something. And we went to this motel that had been converted into a kind of hip motel. Hmm. And I swear to God, they just took everything out but the studs and then made everything that kind of like lacquered plywood so all the furniture was like steamed bent plywood and nothing worked the tv Ugh. didn't i swear the tv was plywood i don't know something was everything <laughs> nothing was comfortable it was all it was for set. looks and no one there was just one person working there and nothing worked Ugh. and i kind of like appreciated that someone came in and did this but it everything just kind of like it was just like a hotel made of plywood. I don't know what to say. <laughs> it didn't have like the uh, any of the comforts you go to a, a, a motel or yeah, a hotel and for. Yeah, I guess you don't go to a motel for full-on comfort, but you at least expect to sit in a chair that doesn't hurt. What is the difference? A motel is a motor-in hotel, meaning like they. I think they're usually located by a highway or so it's like something you're taking on a long trip. It's a way to just kind of like plan your trips on. It's like functional, like you just need a place to stay. I think is this is the, the difference of like, it is just your car can park right outside your door. I think and a all hotel is like a yeah. parking lot. Typically it's the convenience of, a, of like, your journey's not about going to a motel. It's about staying at a hotel. Like that's usually your destination. God, I'm sure it's all completely bled together now, but I think a motel originally was just a motor and you drive in, you stay there for the night because you're driving all day and you leave in the morning kind of thing. It's not like all about pleasure. Got it. Got it. Got it. It's not like a continental breakfast gets served at the motel. Yeah. yeah. But nowadays probably. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, is that what they mean when they go get your motor in? Oh, we had um. Yeah, with the song Motorin, we had a town uh, a thing in our town called the Motor Inn. In. Yeah. And when I heard that song, I was like, this is a great branding. Wow, they really Yeah, they reached my... out to this band to ask them to, <laughs> for the shitty uh, motel. <laughs> so what is Motor Inn Hotel? What is hotel? Is that like Yeah, so hotel is um House te- hotel? No. Oh, I know what it is. All the TV shows, um, that James Marsden movie, Hop. Wait, what? You know that James Marsden Easter Bunny movie, Hop? No, so I have already failed you. So, well, <laughs> that's, well, no, you're just learning. Okay, good. So a motel, a hotel is a motel that shows Hop. I see. Okay. That's that is right. That yeah. is right. <laughs> Thank you. Can we? Will Smith is confirming this because he also like he's quick on the Google. He's you know he's our yeah. producer now, so he's always checking this. And that is right. That is right. Oh, okay. Gosh, it's, it. it's weird because I feel like Hop came out in the last ten years, but Hotel has been a word like that's been around. Predated that for many well, but that was one decades. of those blacklisted Hollywood scripts that's been around since <laughs> I think Wings or the Man in the Moon with the pie in his eye or whatever. <laughs> Well, um, Hop does have a lot of like communist leanings in, it, this, in the movie, it's so I can see why it was blacklist remake of Harvey. <laughs> um, <laughs> rabbits get a lot of work, yeah, don't they? Bugs Bunny, Roger Rabbit, Harvey, Rabbit Test. Do you remember that movie? <laughs> yeah, I With believe we've discussed Crystal? it on this yeah. pod before. Yeah, the Joan Rivers. Yeah. Her her sole directorial uh, movie that he gets pregnant in, and Billy Crystal's in it. Yeah, and and he gets <laughs> pregnant. Yeah. Um, Watership. Gosh, down. it's so shocking to me that Billy Crystal would do anything sucky. <laughs> His batting average is so good. <laughs> I read the um, in the, like maybe the fifth or sixth season of The Simpsons. They make a joke about Billy Crystal. They've even maybe jabbed him a couple times around that time. One of them I remember was like Match Game Three Thousand, and it's all B-list celebrities, and they're like Billy Crystal. And now, in retrospect, I go, um, and I do have a story I'll tell you off mic where I heard two very famous comedians who are adored and respected watched Mr. Saturday Night and made fun of it. Oh. Who were peers of Billy Crystal's. Oh, man. And, like, somebody I know got invited and it was, like, their wake up to, like, oh, it's not my just generation who hates the successful comics that come out of our pool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Everybody hates Billy Crystal too. People hate wow. it when hacks become successful. Yeah. Uh was that a long weird No, what what's his new movie? Uh the oh the one with Tiffany Haddish? Yeah. Mm. Mr. Sure Sunday Night? What's he's it? gonna do seven of those, right? Mr. Sunday <laughs> Night. Yeah, it's uh he's long had seven, six sequels planned. <laughs> He's the also, Lucas model. Seven, didn't he have that 300, 700 Sundays or something? 
you're thinking that he's in 300, the movie about Sparta. <laughs> what was the movie? It mm. was his, uh, his base. solo show that was about his one-man show about me and my dad. We had oh, 700 yeah. Sundays together. Whoa. Going to see the Mets play or some yeah. stupid bullshit. God, I feel bad because I know Billy Crystal and his family are all listeners of our pod. He's told us that they do a kind of fireside chats thing where they just put it on like a speaker in a room and sit around and listen. And the fact that we're doing this right now... I have to imagine they've turned it off by this point. They're not going to just sit here and listen to us. We could try to find some good in Billy Crystal. Yeah, um... You look marvelous. Yeah, you look marvelous. That's so to, Yeah, feel marvelous and to look marvelous. Tom Brokaw. Tom Brokaw says you look marvelous. Everything here. We see great big fat man. Who's that? Oh, is that Buffalo Bill? I don't know these days. I don't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, should we take a, um, oh, what's a, what's a good pee break name, um, for, for motel, a bathroom break for motel hell? Go, go, yes, well, yes, go, go well, go fell a well, go fill a well. Oh, no. Yeah, let's go fill a well. No, it can't be. There must be something better. I can't be. (laughs) I like go fill a well. (laughs) It doesn't even rhyme. There's maybe an extra syllable or two. Go swell a well. Go, uh, um, mo. (laughs) Okay, I think go is the right start. (laughs) So we want to stick with that. Go. Go, oh, wait. Go fill well? Go, go yellow well. Go yellow swell. Go yellow swell. Go yellow Oh, my swell. God. <laughs> oh, oh yell, yellow instead of hotel. Motel, instead of motel yellow. Motel yell, but it's motel yellow. Motel yell. Let's go motel yell. On a light desert highway, cool pee in my hair, warm smell of pipitas <laughs> rising up through the air. We'll be right back. With barley and rust. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. With Corley and Ryan. 
dark desert highway. Ooh. Oh, you've already made that song better. <laughs> For some reason, that really struck a chord with me. <laughs> On a dark desert highway. Ooh. <laughs> cool wind in my hair. Warm smell of Kalitas rising up through the air. <laughs> Oscar the Grouch is receptionist. Grover's work in the bags. Big Bird's in the room service. And Snuffleupagus likes your mags. <laughs> he, he just wants to come in to say, I like your... Uh, Reader's Digest. That was a good stumble up against. Thank you. This is all in a pinch. So we just, we did what we did. And I'd like to apologize <laughs> for the mags rhyme. Up no, nor did I plan the mags rhyme. <laughs> was that magazines? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't, why? Doesn't make <laughs> no, clear I sense knew. right away? The fact that I knew was, <laughs> means it was very clear. Do you ever do that when you're like improvising and you need a rhyme and a bad rhyme comes in first and you're like, no, that won't work. Go on to the next one. But I can't stop. That one is now just stuck. I can't. Yep. I can't get to a new one. So yep. I'm yep. like, I better just say it, and then the next line will have to explain what that one meant. We had a, 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 a Neil Campbell and I had a, a two man sketch show that Owen Burke, uh, Neil and Owen are. Uh, so funny. Yeah. So how blessed was I getting to do a sketch show with those two funny guys? Oh, they're blessed too. Uh, uh, what's that? They're blessed too. Oh, well, well, well. Uh, but they, uh, uh, I remember Owen was like, hey, let's just see if this scene could go somewhere different. And um, maybe the sketch was like, it, we, we had an accident once and we lost a brother. It was like ordinary people. And he's like, maybe you lost a couple other brothers or something like that. <laughs> it was Owen's idea. And so we started improvising it. And uh, Neil was so funny later. He joked about it, how um, he was like, but we lost our brothers out there. Rado, Glon Glon, Stippy. <laughs> we were laughing about it later. And he was like, all I had to improvise was three human names <laughs> I and I know. couldn't I, I couldn't know. summon it I'm that way with names I just <laughs> it's not only that I can't do human names but I can't even do a syllable until some other syllable has gone out like I yes. can't even get so it will be like car bab tan wash <laughs> dancins you know, I just, it is what it is. <laughs> it should be, I struggle with it too. I can't come up with people when I'm asked, like, and what's your name? It'll be like Dibbleberry. <laughs> <laughs> what's your name? My name is Patio Space Heater. Why are you looking at the Patio Space Heater right now? Oh, that's coincidence. Oh, am I? I do like the name of a, an Irish guy, Patty. Patio spa <laughs> oh, Space Heater. Patio Space Heater. <laughs> do you and crazy thing is, I'm very cold to the touch. <laughs> oh, that's like a nickname for a, like what do you call a big guy, tiny? Tiny. <laughs> that, that Irish guy who's tiny, or yeah. who's always cold, they call him O Space Heater. Yeah, Patio Space Heater. And the truth is, I never leave the house, and I'm very cold. Cold? People call me on the phones. I'm very warm. I've got to go. Did you, uh, were you the um, accent consultant for... Um Michael J. Fox and Back to the Future Three. What did he do? I don't do even you remember. remember. He has a. They meet the the earliest oh, McFly immigrants. That's right. Oh yeah. boy. Oh boy. And but the weird thing about that is like his wife looks like Leah Thompson. 
but is yeah. Leah Thompson. Yeah, yeah. So you go, oh, okay, they're saying these these two types are always going to, throughout time, have always been attracted to each other. But no, no it, it should be then George McFly. It should be Crispin Glover playing that part. Yeah. And otherwise, it's like they more were of the always weird... destined for incest. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What's this? Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis' preoccupation with incest. Well, it kind of ties us back to Motel Hell because please, you can't. You're just. It's just not clear they're sister and brother. And even then, once you find out, you're still doing a like sixth sense thing of like, wait, does that change what I saw? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, was there anything before there that goes against the idea of? Um, yeah. I mean, she seems jealous yeah uh that vincent is gonna marry but it is she jealous because she likes terry is she jealous right. because her brother maybe won't be as uh involved in her life these are the complexities and purposeful ambiguities of motel of hell motel hell now Gourley, yeah. let me ask you yeah um is the motel hello sign a, a classic no. This movie like presents it as a, like the classic motel hello sign we all know. I know. Well, that's the other thing that's problematic is that they came up with this title first, but it's based on something that really logically doesn't work. So I've always taken it as this is a hotel called the Motel Hello. But then this time watching it for the first time, I'm like, oh, is it just motel? Hello. Like, welcome. This is it. <laughs> this is it. Motel hell. Oh, yeah. I like it more that it, the motel is called the Motel Hello that loses the O. Is that not what it is? You uh, were thinking the other I way. thought it was the, like, motel. Hello. The, the things this movie has to answer for. What is Motel Hello exactly? Title or just a welcome sign? What's why did Bruce run away and doesn't know about the human things? Although also knows the dog was served. He's okay with that. Yes, and that's part of why I think I thought he was in on it. Me for too. A bit, was yeah. because he was laughing it up about how they ate the dog. Motel Hell, we enjoyed you to a certain extent, but you do have some ex- some explaining clarity do. issues. Yes, much. Clarity issues, much motel hell. How many times yeah, have you heard I'm just that saying, phrase? You don't need the motel. You could just set up your little traps on the road, yep. and you can have your farm. Because I like that. I I thought that was actually really clever to put bear traps to to pop tires. Yes, I also thought it was clever that in the first accident he kind of stands and watches it, and you your mind goes, "Well, that's a little weird. What happened exactly there? Yeah, was he planning that? Because you I hear what very- I, I I thought was gunshots." But it isn't. It's a tire popping. Yeah, uh, which is like a plot point in Blowout. Was it a tire popping or was it a was now, it blowing out or was that, it getting shot out? This is a serious question. Do you think that's why when I was looking at Motel Hell, the first film that's recommended if you like this is Blowout? Is that true? It's true. On on Plex where I watched it. <laughs> yes. That's only thing I <laughs> seriously. <laughs> no, I don't know. Because I, I haven't mean, seen like, Blowout. Blowout's eighty-one, so maybe they're just like the. It's like oh, they're both interesting. I mean, I have to tell you real quick. This is it's just a quick tangent. 
You know, when we watched Body Double, I, I was kind of lukewarm on it. In my memory, that has grown with great affection. Like, I, I, I now remember that as a movie I really like. Oh, that's cool. That's and, a... Um a lot of De Palma movies, like it, it, it for me, or like this, that for me. It's not necessarily I was lukewarm or iffy. It'll be like, oh, I like that, and then the more I think about it, the more I yeah. like it. Like yeah. I find myself wanting to watch it again. Oh yeah, I rewatch it all the time because yeah, I don't know why. It seems to me like the coziest of this season, maybe that and Terra Train to me are real Gosh, cozy. What has been the coziest? And have we ever posed the question of what's the coziest of each of the franchises? Paul, I have an idea. Okay. <laughs> like a cozy uh, 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 um, bracket? Yeah. We do cozy a, bracket. We do a cozy bracket. Now, this may be unpopular too, but you got to understand, I think we do that as a Patreon episode. Yeah. And that's just because, not because we're trying to exclude who we call the freebies, but because we want to appreciate the trustees. Yeah, and also... It, it it might be some awareness on our, our part that maybe this isn't wouldn't be the public's number exactly. one interest. Yeah, this is for people who are maybe more interested. The demographic of the trustees, which is what we call the Patreon subscribers. Yeah, it's so really, how would that work? Like we have like a bracket, or is it like a chart? Like we rank them in terms of coziness. <laughs> so like a bracket's kind of interesting. It would go head to head. Yeah, which. Like any bracket, it maybe isn't entirely fair because, well, no, it, it is fair because if Halloween 4 and Nightmare on Elm Street 2 go up against each other, no, it isn't. Well, it's, it's just what's fun about brackets. Yeah. It's like it doesn't always line up. Right, that, that's like, true. The, but do we need a third person because what if we disagree? Oh, like a tiebreaker? Yeah. Should we get Lee Bracket? <laughs> she's still alive, right? She's, she's. I have bad news for you. What? She died. No! Well before Empire Strikes Back. Before I was born? Yeah. Oh, I never got the opportunity to meet her. By the way, what a year for John Ratson. Yes, I wrote that down. Motel Hell and Empire Strikes Back in the same year. And I'm trying to make sense of that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you know, I went and saw Empire in the theater recently, yeah. and I saw Ratzenberger there, and I thought, God, so Ratzenberger is in England, mm -hmm. castable for Elstree. Yeah, because they didn't fly Ratzenberger to England. They but he's also him. in Santa Clarita, California. Where they did all the casting on site in the Adobe stable. <laughs> To play one of the uh, band, members of Ivan and the Terribles? Uh-huh. How did he... I don't know. ...work this? Here's another strange crossover. And by the way, we're aware of the tabs. We'll get back to the bracket cozy off. But the woman who played Terry also has a credit of additional casting help for episode one on Phantom Menace. <gasps> oh, my... Ta additional, what was it? I wrote it down. Do you um, think she's in that documentary where they show them casting uh, I Jake wonder, Lloyd? I wonder. And so, no, her title is Additional Talent Searcher for Episode 1 Phantom Menace. Hmm. Now, do you think George Lucas saw Motel Hell, mm -hmm. saw Terry in that, mm -hmm. and thought, mm -hmm. I think she could cast a movie? I think what, what happened was there was a vacuum of like, who's Watto? Who's Watto? And he couldn't think of a person, but he could think of a, an additional talent searcher. 
who and could that find was, Watto. Yeah. And he was like, you know what? I could use John Ratzenberger as a contact because I met him on the set of Empire. So, so he can reach chain. out to Terry. We've connected it. It's 1997-98. Lucas has got like a list. Anakin Skywalker. C.O. Bibble. Padme Amidala. These are are holes I've got to fill. But top of that list is Watto. (laughs) Marsha, get Ratzenberger on the line. Uh, George, we're not married anymore. Get him on the line. This is why I divorced you. Uh, Ratzenberger, line one. Hey there, Lukey. <laughs> Hi. Hi, He's always his clip. Yeah. He's always a character's clip. Hi, John. Looking for uh, the lady that played Terry in Motel. She's here with me right now. <laughs> Hello? Terry? Well, that's, that's not my name, but yes. Have you ever done any additional talent searching? <laughs> <laughs> you mean for Watto? Uh, y- yes, yes. <laughs> so weird. I was cooking here and just the word Watto popped in my mind and then the phone rang. Who's that in the background? Who, me? Hootmans, give me the phone. Annie! Lukey! Hired. (laughs) Terry, I can't pay you, but I can give you an IMDB credit. (gasps) Do you think George Lucas was like debating, does he cast Liam... Niece it is quite done or Watto. Could he maybe do both? Would it be distracting to have it double cast him? Because, yeah, because Ahmed Best did Jar Jar and also played like a character in oh. Attack of the Clones, like a live action character, and I think uh, the third one. Sith. Yeah, Liam Neeson should have gotten that too. Yeah. All Star Wars actors should get to play somebody in costume and then also fleshy. <laughs> fleshy the Jedi. Fleshy Jedi. <laughs> uh, I'll use a chance cube. Your mind trick will not work on me. <laughs> the um, the Ratzenberger of it all <laughs> is like, I mean, you know what it dawned on me when I was watching this? Because I didn't know he was in Motel Hell. And so when he it. popped up, I thought to myself, if he hadn't been cast in Cheers... And been known as Cliff Clavin. Um, just the amount of work he booked before Cheers, playing different characters, if he hadn't been cast in Cheers, he would have no doubt just been a character actor you oh, would have yeah. seen in every genre of movie. Yeah. And so much so that Cheers probably kind of ruined that path for him later on, although he ended up in Toy Story. But yeah, and, you and, never saw him like much on camera. That's he, right. Although he did end up in a lot of Christian low-budget movies, which to me mm. means one of two things. And and I mean this universally, basically. Mm-hmm. Either he's very conservative Christian and that's his thing now, or can't get cast other places because usually it's personality issues, like mm. Eric Roberts ends, ends up in those movies a lot. The only one I can't figure out is Michael York. Oh, because he does some Christian? He does. Like, he did the Left Behind movies. And I think for him, it's just his star had fallen enough. And Left Behind was a big enough Christian production mm-hmm. that they're like, we got to get one star. Like like how Peter Cushing was to Star Wars or Alec Guinness was yes. to Star Wars. Michael, Michael Yock was to <laughs> Left Behind. Well, I, I also like the idea if, if 
they cast like the difficult actors, the Eric Robertses who can't find work, that it is very Christ-like, like similar to Christ hanging out with like the, the lepers, lepers and the prostitutes. Yeah, like Christian film companies like take the wayward actors who can't find work because yep. they're assholes. Because even Nicolas Cage has done one. Really? Yeah, he does like a kind of post-apocalyptic Christian movie. I forget what it's called. I I sometimes watch these movies with friends. Um. I remember Andy Daly, I, one of the first things I saw in Los Angeles was a show called Red State Raiders, and he played a guy who was like, <laughs> the, ran the production company that makes Christian movies. <laughs> it was so funny, and like the main joke about it was, we care about these movies, we're making these movies, but they're shit. <laughs> and it is so funny Wait, that- the guy, was this real- no, Andy oh. Daly's played a character who's okay. like this, but it is so funny that it's like, no um, cr- mo- Christian movie has ever passed the level of quality of even like the shittiest studio movie. No, no. Um, which kind of is the same question as like when I watch a, I would have with friends when you'd watch a low budget exploitation movie and the actors are bad mm-hmm. and you go... There's good actors everywhere, regardless of the budget. Is yeah. it somebody who's so dumb making a movie just doesn't also have taste in actors and just casts bad actors? I, I think so, because I think it's fair to say that a Christian uh, filmmaker who is talented would find work regardless of the like Christian genre. And so they would work... And then if they really were interested in proselytizing they would somehow find ways to work christian themes into their warner brothers studio movie yeah like what is that um greg kinnear movie? greg kinnear is another one who's kind of drifted towards those movies mm. but he did that one about the kid who died and came back <laughs> <laughs> and to say nothing of his movie dear god Sorry to disturb you, but I feel that I should be heard loud and clear. What's that? That XTC song that the kid sings. Do you remember that song? Oh, it's such a good song. What kid sing? Well, it's an XTC song, but it begins with a kid singing. Oh, dear I, never, God, I don't know this. Sorry to disturb you, but I feel oh, that I should yes, be heard loud and clear. We don't need... Anyway, point is, <laughs> tab closed. Back to Cozy Bracket. Cozy Bracket. The, the thought of doing this warms my heart because it means a whole new ranking of these movies because what's coziest doesn't mean what's best. In some ways it yes. does, but like... It's uh, a new way... Right, right, right. It's not the same way of looking at the movies previously to yeah. how we've ranked them. So the question I have is, do are we ranking all the movies that we've covered thus far or are we opening up to the whole horror genre... Or is that just too daunting of a task? Oof. Okay, so we've watched... Something around 50 movies? 50-some movies, yeah. So if you made those face off with each other, it's like 25 movies versus 25 movies? That could work. Yeah, is that a good enough amount for a, a bracket? I think it is because also I think the first round would be relatively quick because there would just be certain movies, like a Rob Zombie's The Least Coziest Movie. Yeah. 
that one's going to be eliminated immediately. Even yeah. even by one, the Especially other if Rob it goes Zombie against <laughs> Cozy. Uh, what was that movie we watched? Cozy. <laughs> that was very cozy. Cozy Fantute. <laughs> Count Cozy. So you remember there was a guy in Emerson Lake and Palmer, the prog rock band. Mm-hmm. Palmer left, so they took on a guy named Cozy Powell, and it became Emerson true? Lake and Powell. Yeah, Cozy Powell. We got to meet get that the guy. Cozy in there. We got to meet that guy. Yeah, he they messed up. Yeah. No, he he joined, but that they didn't let him use Cozy in the name. Oh, like instead of using Powell, because they were already ELP, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. So then they went to ELP so they could be Emerson, Lake, and Powell. But you're right. They should have just changed the band name to just Cozy. <laughs> <laughs> that really, they put themselves uh, in a narrow field having to chase another P. I know. And do you think that was like just luck or they were like, Simpkins, you are the best we've ever heard, but we can't be ELS. <laughs> Oh, or, or Michelle Pfeiffer actually came really close. I, <laughs> to, to she's not very good, but she fits. Or like oh, oh, O'Reilly, we can't because that would make us ELO. Yeah. Well, mate, we could be O E L. Fuck you. Get out. Yeah. Already fired. Yeah. Ole. O L E. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. They could have been O. Hmm. Do you know um, one of my favorite ELO tidbits? Give me some yellow tidbit tree. They their album Discovery. Yeah. Some of the fans thought it was a little too um, disco influenced. Fuck them. So they called it instead of calling the title Discovery, it's Disco Very. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Disco Ovary. <laughs> <laughs> but Disco Very. So ELO called it Disco Very. No fans call fans, it. fans who think it's too discoy. Fuck them. I love disco. Oh Damn. man, I. The I have a whole playlist just devoted to, that I've been making of the rock disco hybrid thing that happened from like seventy mm. seven to eighty two, oh. oh. like Kisses. Um, um, I was made for loving you. Yeah, uh, and then uh, Shakedown Street mm. by the Grateful Dead. It's mm. got some good. I got to check out this Yellow album because I don't think I've heard the whole album because I've been on such a blondie kick lately. That mix of rock, punk, and disco. The best. That's hitting me hard. Yep. I've been listening, uh, when we're hanging outside and listening to music, our family, mm-hmm. it's been a lot of, uh, yeah, new wave. It's mm-hmm. been the, me like, too. Huh. I just watched a documentary on the whole making of Band-Aids, Do They Know It's Christmas, 20 years later. Wow. They were revisiting it. But I've been, all my YouTube things have all been like, give me Bananarama singing this song yeah. live. And, yeah. I wonder what that is, because we were on, before the Bee Gees documentary yeah. came out, We've discovered that we were each listening to the Bee Gees. Yeah. And now we've, I guess, aged. We've moved <laughs> from the late 70s oh to the early God. 80s. We're going to be like late 80s R&B pretty soon. Yeah. That's funny because I have been really enjoying the uh, Tone Loke, mm. Young MC, hip hop, like the late 80s. Yeah. Um, fun rap. Oh, yeah. Fun rap. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I've kind of been like going back to some En Vogue of the late 80s too. Wow. I um growing up I discovered in col or in college I discovered that the experience I had of my dad having a Pointer Sisters tape in his car was 
<laughs> universal. Everybody I met in college, their dad had the Pointer Sisters on tape of their car. Like dads of the really? 80s loved the Pointer Sisters. So which era Pointer Sisters is this? Like the mm-hmm. I'm so excited. Okay, yeah. Yeah. My dad was, my sister's music heavily influenced my dad. So he was Eagles, Fleetwood Mac, all mm-hmm. those things. And then my sister got into New Wave. So he started getting Madonna, yes. um, George Michael, Michael Jackson. And then he went skiing in Austria and came back with Jean-Michael Giraud's like uh, Oxygen, which was all synth music, like instrumental synth Whoa. music that then blew my mind. And I still go back to and listen to sometimes. But I still, when I hear... Should have known better than to cheat a friend, waste a chance. It's Careless, me getting car sick in the back on a long road trip of that song being played over and over and over. So and, I have, you, and your dad and your sister rock it out to yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that, I, uh, I think that's actually um, a cool thing about having kids. Wes Craven, I heard in an interview, he was like, one of the great things about having kids is it kept me plugged in to what teenagers are and what they're doing. And mm. so when I made Scream, I had reference points that I could actually use. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Huh. It's funny because normally you think like somebody becomes a parent and then they drop out of culture. Like they're right. no longer plugged in because they're too busy being parents. But yeah, maybe wait 12 years and then you get your kid giving you Bananarama. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. I hope. How lucky is that? Bananarama 3000. <laughs> I want microchips. Me, 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 me. I want microchips. <laughs> I don't know whether to say this or not. What? That's not banana ramble. They. I don't want to be that guy. Well, you have to be because otherwise I'll hear it from somebody else. Yeah, better, better it comes from me. Who's saying I would kill Bow, wow, wow. Oh my God. I am so sorry. You don't need to apologize. And thank you for telling no, me. No, it's just I want you to hear it from me and not the people that can come at you kind of hard for that. I sort appreciate of thing. it. You are being a friend. You're being a friend by letting me know. But I love bow, that wow, song wow. too. But isn't it funny that Bow Wow Wow and Banana Rama? I know. Those all, they're similar in my mind, I guess. I know I've talked about this on Silly a podcast B-words. before, but who knows if it was this one. There's a lesser known song by Banana Rama called Robert De Niro's Waiting. Do you know that song? No. It's so strange, but I love it. And it goes, What's the premise? <laughs> I, I don't fully know. I'm assuming it's just he's waiting for them on a date. <laughs> all three of them. I don't know. But it goes, Robert De Niro's Waiting. Talking Italian, talking Italian. That was a horrible. People can't of see it, but my jaw dropped. <laughs> that is a bizarre. That's weirder than anything in Motel Hell. Yeah, because their hits are like "It's a Cruel, Cruel Summer," yeah. and and Venus was her name, Venus, and I forget what else. But Robert oh. De Niro's "Waiting" was the one that always stuck with me. Yeah, I know Venus. Yeah, um, I'm your penis. I'm your fire. I'm your desire. All right. So okay. Okay. Close tab on that. We'll we'll put our heads together on a cozy film bracket for the Patreon yep. subscribers, and then we're back to Motel Hell. And I'm wondering if we want to just jump into Logo Loco. I yes, Logo Loco, the MGM UA. Yeah, you get a double hit here. And it did make me think because of this recent news. Have you heard that Amazon's looking to buy MGM? Yeah. And do you think they're like? <laughs> MGM's like, you're going to get the Bond films, you'll get the Lord of the Rings or whatever, but maybe you even thought about it. I'm just going to write something on a slip of paper. I'm going <laughs> to hand it to you. Take a look at that. 
What the hell's Motel Hell? Oh, really? Who's Rory Calhoun? Who's Nancy Parsons? <laughs> I'd like to think that they slipped it over and they looked at the piece of paper and it said Motel Hello. And then they just went over and crossed up the road. And it was like, oh, we'd get that. What's Motel Hello? <laughs> Holy shit. Deal done. Give it to the lawyers. Now, what about the UA? I love that 80s UA logo. The, yeah, because that paperclip. Yeah. yeah. The MGM is a new one. They're just using the new, yeah. on the one I watched, the new MGM yeah. logo. But that UA one, that reminds me of the UA logo that used to be on Bond films, like mid-era Bond films. Mm-hmm. And it was that UA logo where the logo would just kind of start to appear in the darkness, but it had a really dark ominous single piano yeah tune to it do you remember that and then it kind of like turns to reveal itself yeah yeah, yeah. but it's like ding, it's kind of eerie or something I, yes yeah. i know what you mean yeah um i guess the, they were the only assumption i could make is the ua was being led by sinister forces i guess it was a, just a dark cabal beelzebub was the ceo <laughs> Um, You're my Also, the UA that logo also fits in. Uh, it makes me think of Rocky as well. The Rocky yes. movies. In fact, did I even use that? I, we're drinking out of these James Bond mugs. You know, um, thank you for the coffee again. Oh, you're my welcome. Friend. No, I used to have it on here, but I, the, the UA logo got taken down because I borrowed it. But it does have the United Artists font on there, but it doesn't have that little like uh, whatever that you call it, like a paperclip. Yeah. I mean, I'd be um, stoked if somebody did a limited series Motel Hell or a reboot of Motel Hell yeah. you know, on Amazon. Yeah. Jeff Bezos personally wrote and directed it. I think that's how it has to happen. He he shepherds all those through. He's a showrunner on literally every Amazon Prime original, <laughs> Mozart in the Jungle. Uh, there's probably something fitting to... Um, that Amazon, if they do get MGM, that they own the rights to a movie about like using humans <laughs> as a way to amass your wealth and fortune. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, this kind of goes in with the the logo. Uh, uh, dog is um, just the credits, the yeah, font, the neon font. Oh titles. my god, I love the Me neon. Too. That's a brilliant idea for a credit font. I know, and pretty. It feels pretty like ahead of its time. Just the fidelity of the look of these yes. titles. Like I, most movies of this era, especially this budget, they don't have yeah. custom titles. Yeah, I think titles in general, I think, can be pretty expensive. So you think about when a low budget movie has slick titles. Yeah. Um, the one I think about was there was a movie called Hot Wire. Oh, and Hot Wire was it written in neon? Is that the one with Jerry Reed? And uh, Suzanne Plachette, am I thinking of that? Maybe, but I think Hot Wire was more um, exploitation, like less, uh, but that, didn't have the studio slickness of a Jerry Reed vehicle. Well, I think that's what, this one is too. Hold on. Oh, maybe it is. And I want to say, is Dom DeLuise in it too? Oh, I know what that is. That's hot. Um, I've seen that Dom DeLuise movie. Oh, you're right. This is... Yeah, there's nobody in this one you'd know. Uh, right, what am I thinking of? Hot oh. trash or something. It's like... Um, I've seen it. But it's I about even, them. It's like a, a... even had the poster. You had the poster? Yeah. 
<laughs> it's about like a thrift store. Yes. Hot, hot, ah, ah, hot. All hot. the Deloise heads right now are just screaming. screaming. Will Smith. Hot screaming. stuff. Hot stuff. That's yes, what it that's is. That's right. Yeah, because yeah, it's a lot of it's stolen. That's right. <laughs> and it's a, just a funny uh, double entendre yeah, too. Like it's pretty good. This movie's hot stuff. <laughs> and now these credits also included the aforementioned name Rory Calhoun. I know. Yeah, what a name. Now I first knew Rory Calhoun from the movie Angel. It's this '80s movie. You, I think you'll know the poster. It's like like Avenging before, Angel, and the, that's the sequel, right? The sequel yeah. is Avenging yeah, Angel. Yeah, I've never seen these. Yeah, so the original Angel. She's like a prostitute on Hollywood Boulevard, and Rory Calhoun plays an old, in kind of like a Sunset Boulevard move. Like they they casted a real Rory Calhoun actor to play like a washed up cowboy actor okay, in wow. Angel. Okay. Uh, 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 so and then that's how we knew him. And then there was a really funny Simpsons joke where a puppy when he. Uh, he's breeding Mr. Burns is breeding puppies to make a suit and one of the puppies goes up on its hind legs and he goes look at him he just reminds he reminds me of that old actor Rory Calhoun <laughs> so that name <laughs> stuck with me what are your Calhoun associations I, ha- I used to have a friend named Corey and I would just call him his name was Corey Rouse and I would spoonerize that to Rory Kouse, but then I just started calling him Rory Calhoun. But I don't think I, I just knew the name. I'd never knew who I was referencing. Um, and Rory Calhoun's like only 57 in this movie. Yeah. But they treat him like he's, well, maybe it's because he's marrying a woman who's about 20. <laughs> Another melon Meg situation from Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, no huh? kidding. Real she quick. has no apprehension whatsoever no. to falling in love. Well, you also she's coming from being in love with a biker that's about the same age too. So you, she, she's clearly as this movie goes. She likes old biscuits. <laughs> she likes old stale biscuits. Real quick, Angel was about a prostitute by night, but like a like a straight A student by day. Right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. She in order maybe to pay for her private school or something. She <laughs> the. I saw Angel in um, high school with my uh, awesome group of sleepaway camp friends when Uh we just started renting any low-budget movie to try to reach the highest sleepaway camp. We rented Angel. Uh The only thing I remember is there's a part where a guy picks up Angel, a group of guys, and they want her to get naked, and he says to her, show us your whisker biscuits. Which is weird that okay. I just said old biscuit earlier. It must have been biscuit and angel floats around in my head. Is that Whisker so gross? Biscuits. I can't even wrap my head around. Well, I, I mean, I know what that means, but I don't know why that means what it means. It's such a disgusting word. Those two words together is the most vile thing said in. It might be. It's, it's not helped by the fact that there, it's like a pseudo rhyme. <laughs> right? A near rhyme. And it can't even land the, the rhyme. Because that it would be Whisker Biscuits. Whisker Biscuits. Or, yeah. So it, biscuits. it disappoints you in like morality <laughs> and just like rhythm and rhyme. <laughs> Syntax. Syntax, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That's almost as bad as the Sleepaway Camp Baldies thing. Yeah. 
Well, so did you get the high? Because it sounds like you came as uh, close. Angel second. was pretty good. It was yeah. fun, but it's no sleepaway camp. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so then they go to the, the shithole motel. Um, and yeah, watching all these hotel stuff with the cannibalism, it seemed like a combination of Psycho and Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, right? definitely the Texas Chainsaw thing. Yeah, the idea of butchering people with chainsaws to eat them, like, that's all. It's almost like a spoof Yeah, Texas Chainsaw. It felt that way. When was Texas Chainsaw 2 made? It was made after this, right? 86, I think. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I think another problem I had with this movie is that it takes a certain kind of skill to pull off a movie where your main characters are the bad guys. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I know we have Terry as our, like, surrogate person, but... Really, this movie is about Ida and Vincent. Yeah. And I think that was also kind of what was difficult for me to latch on to with People Under the Stairs is even though, you know, it's just, I don't know what it is. Because even Norman Bates... That's a good comparison to this is People Under the Stairs because it's both, both of them are like, have this twisted idea of old Americana that they're trying to get back to and... and, um, that's what like makes them villainous. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I liked these characters. I I liked it a lot because I thought the choice to make them like wholesome. Yeah, was like what made it work for me. If if this movie had been like depraved, um, all over, but like even like the the swingers that show up that they're kind of like that funny type of like set only exists in seventies <laughs> and eighties movies of like well. They're sweethearted, depraved perverts. I know. I know. They're lovable, depraved perverts. Well, even that they give, they went as far as to like, who cares about setting up relationships and whether Bruce ran away or not? But they give a full justification for Vincent's plans in that he's an environmentalist. He's ending world hunger and cutting down population. Putting him in league with great movie villains like Hugo Drax and Thanos. <laughs> Do you think when they, you know, in a few years they look back on all the great villains, it'll be Thanos? Yeah. And Vincent? Yeah, those yeah. will be the two. But what are the <laughs> movies that have successfully, your main characters are the bad guys? Well, you started saying Psycho, I'm sorry. So, but Psycho. I guess they make that part of the gimmick is the handoff. You're following Janet yeah. Lee, and and then you start following somebody who is not yeah. your conventional. Um, I don't think that one quite qualifies, but oh, Taxi Driver, maybe. Yeah, Taxi Driver. Um, taxi Driver Motel Hell, equal in quality. Yeah, um, falling down. Um, yeah, falling Day down. of the Jackal is really your lead character is the bad guy, oh. and that one to me was really successful. So you know. When I was a kid, I saw the 60s Boston Strangler movie, oh. and I feel like that was Peeping Tom. Mm. There's got to be a bunch of others, right? That's American like a- Psycho? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, if you watch Meatballs, Bill Murray is really just an absolute sociopath in that movie. And even though he's the fun hero, watch it with, and, and, and this is even pre the current climate. I remember yeah. like 
10, 15 years ago watching that movie going, Oh, I saw meatballs in college and I was like, what is being? this shit? Yeah. I, there's stuff I still love about the movie, but him in that movie, he's a virtual rapist, but he's also one of those guys that wants so hard to be funny and can't be funny among his peers, so he hangs out with people 10, 15 years younger than him. I think we have <laughs> talked about this. And he's always on. You can't get a sincere moment out of him. That is He's so someone that in funny. real life you would run from. Yeah, I want you to meet my friend. Um, he hangs out with 12-year-olds because they think they're real, he's really funny because yeah. he's on all the time. Yeah. Mm. I was actually thinking a couple days ago, do you think the worst people... Um, oh, and this is, says nothing about uh, Robin Williams. He's a gifted yeah. actor, and, and uh, people love him. But how many of the worst people on earth do you think in high school were described as, he's going to be the next Robin Williams? Uh, yeah. The most intolerable people in the world yeah. are called the next Robin Williams. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 so to... to what you were saying though what was I saying uh, about the um, the lead oh, character yeah the, the ability to like follow somebody yeah but the thing I'm with you on that the thing I do like about these two and especially Vincent is that he really is like otherwise a good man you know like technically and, yeah because he won't he won't fool around with Terry until they get married, even though he'll marry a woman old enough to be his granddaughter. But there is that morality. He doesn't curse. He's actually kind of sweet. Yeah. It is funny. Like, yeah, that scene where she wants to make love, make love to Paul. <laughs> they want to have sex. And, uh, and he's like, no, no. And I, I did think, is that Rory Calhoun, the actor too? I know. Like, just being like, I was in like black and white movies where like a a, a touch of stocking stocking used to be shocking yeah. was shocking yeah but now anything goes with uh, these movies they probably didn't tell him about the topless scene yes he also has that line that killed me where he's like what are the karmic implications of this because there's times when that movie really knows what it's doing you know? <laughs> yeah. like, that's when the satire really works <laughs> right yeah. Yeah, when he's he's doing that with um, he's he's wondering if it's if it's okay that he's killing these people. Not to jump ahead to that, but you mentioned the astral projection scene. Yeah, those lights that they set down in front of them are so specific to me that I'm wondering because I know astral projection was such a big thing and like yogic flying and Doug Henning the magician was into all this stuff. This was such a big thing at that time. That makes me think those lights were something you could buy like off a TV advertisement, like mail order. Like here's some astral projection lights. If you just stare at these lights and meditate, you will start projecting. Yeah. And maybe they had like a fire sale of them. Yeah. (laughs) The production manager was like, let's buy, let's buy fire. As long as we're talking about that scene, why didn't they take the cloth off the forehead, the girl? She, I wondered that too. She must have like quit the movie. It has to be. She, she had to. She have. was like, "I'm not getting buried up to my neck and uh, to my chin." No. Yeah, yeah, I bet that's what it was. Or nope. she got another part and is like, "Fuck this movie." I just love that stuff in low budget movies. I know. Where you're just like, I you get to make up a little story. Like, I guess it did work out. They couldn't take the thing off her head for a reason. And why were they, why were they harvesting the band when there are people that have been planted prior? 
to them. I've wondered that too. Why are they taking the front line? That's not good agriculture, if no, you ask me. Unless they were just already fattened enough or something. And right. Boy, that fake beard on the one Ivan in the terrible. Ooh, it was, really gross. It's one of the worst fake beards the I've ever The combination of the fake beard with the like stitching on yeah. his neck was too gross images together yeah that i didn't care for yeah also i didn't like to see cliff clavin treated that way i know although the gurgling sound was pretty well done oh and i think you watch that scene and you see three different ways an actor could be getting hypnotized by an astral projector (laughs) and you you see ratzenberger's like well, that's why he's a successful actor. This he's the why. best at this. He's good, doing cool things with his eyes. That's and... why he's calling the shots at Echo Base. <laughs> what do you think came first? Empire probably came first, right? It had to because the to... post-production. Yep. Yeah, so just think about that. He's coming back, and on the set of Motel Hell, he's the shit. Everybody's like, yes. you're in the next Star Wars? What happens? He's no like, idea. No idea. Or I, or maybe he goes, two words. I'm going to give him a Chicago accent. Two words. <laughs> Nami. Ice planet. Yeah, I bet he was, because that's all he probably would have known. I doubt they gave John Ratzenberger the script. He's yeah. just like, the whole thing takes place in a base. <sighs> and he gets pl- dubbed. That's so, right. So yeah. maybe he wouldn't have known that yet Mm-mm. on the set of Hotel. <laughs> I know. <laughs> maybe he would have been such a cock of the walk, <laughs> as I assume he was. <laughs> If he had known he gotten dubbed. Uh, he's also, is he in Outland? Is that the Connery movie? Yeah. I feel like he's in another. Sure. Oh, no, he's in Superman 2 or something. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. So he was Who bopping was he around. Doing over there all the time. What is going on with John Ratzenberg in the late 70s bopping around Mary London Town? I know. I'm always blown away by that because when I talk to. Um, Jeanette Goldstein about aliens. She was just living over there. Man, if I had a time machine, I'd be an American actor over in London from mid seventies to mid eighties. And you'd be in all these movies like Shane Rimmer is another one. He's Canadian, but he was over there. He's in Superman. He's in all like three different Bond yeah, movies. You'd get anytime, uh, they want an American, you'd get cast. Yeah. Um, right. Because, um, That'd actually be, yeah, a wise thing to do. Yeah. Hmm. Um, just be the go-to American actor for Elstree and I Pinewood. I know. Um, so we get introduced to um, Calhoun. He's <laughs> Vincent. He's hunting at night. Um, then Terry gets introduced. The female... Um, Co-star, yeah. Um, not the not um, not Iris. What's her name? Sorry, Ida. Ida. Yeah. yeah. Then there's also Ida. Um, now, a question I had. He says about Terry, and we later learned out that he chose to bury her boyfriend, but he says to um, Ida. In reference to Terry, I don't want the Grim Grim Reaper to get his hands on her. So, regardless of him saying this, you could ask this question. Why doesn't he want to eat her? Is is it because he's in love with her? 
I feel like the the projection they would want is that she's too innocent. Like okay. He's got a kind heart, and he doesn't want to. He only wants to kill and eat middle-aged and older. Yeah, how fortunate Although, that the cars that go by on this road that are, no matter what car goes by, is going to get a bear trap on it and explode or whatever, fall off the road, that they're all pieces of shit. Though the woman in the band is young, and it must just be because she's in a rock band, she's, bad. you know, bad. And this girl is blonde and pure. Although she's riding on the back of, like, a biker gang dude. Yeah, then later is like fully on board to like, not that this is necessarily immoral, but just like wanting to get down with Rory Calhoun. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't scream innocence. <laughs> no, it sure doesn't. She, uh, her character is really problematic too, because when she wakes up and she's like sitting there going, my guy is dead. I don't know what to do. Should I stay or should I go? I want to just scream like, What? Go. You have no reason to stay here. Oh, yeah. The most, like, pit in my stomach feeling I had wasn't even a horror moment. It was her first night there, and she's, like, wearing pajamas <laughs> in an uncomfortable hotel room, and the TV's playing, like, a church service. Yeah. I've been in those cer- scenarios. Oh. Just like the scenario where you're spending the night at your oh, grandma's, yeah. and she's watching yeah. Lawrence Welk. On Saturday night, you're like, are we going to get to turn to Saturday Night Live later? Just like, and then you're wearing pajamas. Like, the wearing pajamas of it all. You're not your pajamas. Someone else's. Yeah. But but, uh, the feeling of like, I am truly trapped here because I'm in pajamas. And the only thing that I can face next is bedtime alone in this uncomfortable, not my house house. I told you about that time that I spent the night at a friend's in bunk bed and his parents came in and prayed over me and then both kissed me. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. In their defense, they also did buy me a Battlestar Galactica action figure. Hey, all right. I like a You know, one for one. I, uh, I vow uh, that if my daughter has a friend overnight and that friend says, I'm feeling a little homesick, can you take me home? I am putting on my jacket. Oh. I'm getting in the car. Because when I was a kid, yeah. the parents who did that, mm-hmm. I still look back on them as heroes. Yeah. When I think about my friend, Ryan, who was like, went to his mom and said, took me to her mom, and I had to be vulnerable and say, can I go home? I'm homesick. And she's like, I'm just going to lay down on the floor in your guys' bedroom. To ma- like, Oh, to comfort- that makes it better? What? Now I can't what? even talk to him. Oh my god! So I'm laying in bed uh, with my friend Ryan <laughs> and his mom laying on the floor to make me less homesick. <laughs> just and to they remind lived you on a farm that your so mom you're far out of there. town. And what? Oh Sorry. god! Just to remind you that it's not your mom. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know all the things you like about your mom and miss about her. Yeah. Here's the opposite. Uh, Non-accommodating. <laughs> And it was totally because they lived on a farm and she didn't want to drive into town. Oh, my God. I'm just remembering, and I can't remember who the kid was, that I had a friend stay over and without announcing it to me, went to my mom, I want to go home. Makes me think, did I do something? No, but my mom took him straight home. It is when the kid at your house wants to go home. You can't help but take it personally. I I didn't at the time. Now I I am. But but of course the first thought I'm having is like did I say the wrong thing? Did I upset whoever this person is that I can't even remember who it is? 
Well, I had a friend who um, I'm still friends with to this day, Rick, um, uh, a great, great friend. And he told me, um, I mean, I've known him since first grade. And he, he spent the night once in like second grade. And then in high school, he told me about how like in second grade, when he spent the night at my house, I was like, let's watch Nick at night. And he's like, it didn't make me feel comfortable like watching old 50s black and white TV shows. I would have been all over that. I know. For me, it was the pinnacle of comfort. I'm never leaving. (laughs) (laughs) But I did appreciate Rick like years later being able to tell me like... I not chill sleepover vibes. The kid no, who was like, no, "Let's watch agent television." No, that one's on Rick. Sorry, <laughs> you had every right to send him home. <laughs> uh, the uh, what was that part about? Oh, I love the um, sab- the, the satire of the souvenir sampler platter. Two ninety five. For a huge box of smoked meats. That, even for the time, seems... No. What would a Pepperidge Farms, like... At that time? $20. Yeah. For sure. He's underselling himself. Yeah. God. Undervaluing his his work. Yeah. Um, The... Oh, the other part I laughed um, that I thought was funny was... um, Not the part where the kids get scared of the when they see the butchered pig and they run out. The, you mean the like reference to the shining, the twins that they're so clearly putting in. Oh, girls in dresses. That's funny. Same year. Yeah, that's Oh, so maybe not. <laughs> maybe though. When did it come out? I don't know. Um, but when they ran out and then they got into the backseat of the car and then Rory Calhoun like scared them more in the backseat of the car. I know, that was crazy. I, and then laughs like, Haha, see, I'll teach you to be scared. Yeah, and that made me laugh. Yeah, me too. I thought that was like a pretty ridiculous moment. Do you think Shining Twins will be, because we you pointed out they're not twins. Right. That that will be- Because I'm cool. Yeah. Well, I did the Bow Wow Wow thing. And I you had to. People, well, you had to too. <laughs> But do you think that will be like Frankenstein's monster where there'll be a period of 10 years or so where people are like, they're not twins. Yeah, it'll be like, so the Grady twins and like the Grady girls, yeah. the Grady daughters, the Grady sisters. Yeah, but then it, it then you pass that where everybody just goes back to Frankenstein because they won't want to deal with the people that, you know. You just, right. Frankenstein, the monster's Frankenstein in popular culture I've noticed culture that with now. literally people have now just like that idea of correcting somebody on literally oh yeah even the the grammar police seem to now be yeah um for me it was always just a a a little delight a joke an unintended joke that life gave you because like in high school i remember our chemistry teacher was like i knew a guy who, who who was so um mouthy or something he could cut you to ribbons literally with his tongue (laughs) So <laughs> just imagining that image that he could literally do that was just like this is funny. Uh, I want more people that to seems like literally. something Freddie would do in a nightmare. <laughs> it's at least it wasn't the English teacher who was doing that. No, yeah, that would be uh, the chemistry teacher. Yeah, uh, that's fine. Yeah. Why would Freddie do that to somebody? Like they love chopping things up, like a chef. He's like, you like cut, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> or they're like either t- like 
they fall asleep wrapping Christmas packages and uh-huh. they've got ribbons or they're like doing typewriter <laughs> ribbon stuff. They should have made a Christmas Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Especially with the Freddy sweater. Oh, the red and green. Yeah. They need to do any... I mean, we've talked, obviously, about Friday the 13th and the snow, but you could do any Christmas time version of any horror... Halloween. Hall- <laughs> Halloween. Christmas on Halloween. I mean, Tim Burton pulled it off. <laughs> yeah. With that poor Jack Skellington, he... He wants to be more than just the scary guy. Yeah. He wants to make big fish. (laughs) (laughs) If Michael Myers is like, he goes, you know, we all agree that November 1st, he goes into hibernation until (laughs) October 1st or around there. Until October 30th. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's better. (laughs) But one year he wakes up. He wakes up too early because there's a clip clapping on his rooftop. <laughs> December 24th. God, if Michael joins Santa for a night oh. around the world, that'd be a good movie. Or he kills Santa and then just takes his job. Oh, it's like Santa Claus, but he didn't accidentally kill Santa. He yeah. intentionally killed him and now he has to become Santa. So Michael starts gaining weight. He's like, what's happening to me? Why am I growing this beard? Mangle all the way. Halloween. Mangle all the way. <laughs> jingle hells. Jingle hells. Jingle hells. <laughs> jingle all the mm, hell. <laughs> all the flay. Yes. Wow. Should we take a a motel yellow? Yeah, motel yell. Was that what it was? Yeah, motel yell. Yeah. We all have to scream when we pee. Everybody go do it. We'll be right back. With and rest. With and rest. We're back. We're back. Now, that for us was about five minutes, but for the listener, it was nothing. It was, it was just a blink of an eye. I'm going to edit in five minutes of silence. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> like, um... Uh, have you ever seen the extended Zodiac? No, I don't think so. It was, um, it's just maybe like five minutes longer, but it does include something that David Fincher wanted to do in the theatrical version of Zodiac that the studio wouldn't let him, but it's real cool. What is it? This It's in the middle of the movie, and it's to show the point when a lot of years go by, the biggest jump in Zodiac, and the screen goes black, and the music... Just it, it's like a um, a bed of music. You just listen to it. The screen is black, and the music kind of goes through the period of like years, and it just kind of blends into each other. And then it comes out the other side, and now oh. you're in a new era. But oh, it helps you like amazing. track it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow! Um, but I could see why it had over two and a half hour plus movie. They're like, do we need the minute and a half of black screen? <laughs> yeah, I see both sides. Um, I I want to say something about Farmer Vincent. Yes. He murders people. Mm-hmm. He serves them his food. Mixed with he, pork. Yep. It's okay, fair enough. He's not all bad. Uh, <laughs> he marries a, a young woman way too young for him. But for me, the most egregious thing he does is 
puts a bumper sticker on someone's car without their actual permission. I was shocked. I couldn't believe that. And I couldn't believe that they were happy about it. And the job he does putting it on, do you see how crooked the placement oh of it is? Rippled, crooked. It's not on the same plane of the bumper. This is an, it's an atrocity. It is. And, uh, 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 Ripe for litigation. <laughs> yeah. Like, if I was the people who own that car, oh, I'd be yeah. like, I'm taking you to court for this. Mm-hmm. You did you see any other uh, bumper stickers on here? And then, <sighs> yeah, insult to injury, it's rippled and got little bubbles and crooked. Also, who puts a bumper sticker on the front because it's going to be backwards in a mirror? Uh, when the angle of the camera is better, when the yeah. car is facing forward and not back. Uh, <laughs> but the uh. I've never been in high school. I was a bumper sticker kid. Yeah, uh, I was my, a latchkey kid. <laughs> those were the two kids. Yeah. Uh, my uh, girlfriend, who went to the public school, she got one of those. My kid is an honor roll student, uh. and I put it on my car <laughs> <laughs> for the public. Like I'm driving around because I have a kid in the public school that I'm proud of or something. Uh, but I think that's the only one. I am really. God, I'd love to say I don't do it, but it's okay if others do it. When others do it, it bothers me kind of. Yeah. I know that's wrong, but I look at it as a little like when somebody has a shirt that says like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, you don't have any other means to express your personality. I know. This is like the level of expression you're capable of. I think I had one bumper sticker that I can remember, and that was for the band Gomez and it just said Gomez like I think just white on black that's good but here's something speaking of like the effrontery of putting an unasked for yeah. bumper sticker in someone's car being from the Midwest I've noticed that cars from the Midwest are often the dealer puts a usually one of those 3D like plastic writing like on like, the trunk you know but that in the West that is never done I've never seen that done. That seems crazy to me. Like, I know. I uh, When I was a kid and I'd see it all the time, I'm like, why do they do that? Why is this allowed? And it's not easy. Like you can just remove it. It's no. done on the paint job of yeah. the, the body of the car. It's, um, gosh, I'm trying to think of like what the distinction would be. I mean, like the West feels more like car culture. Yeah, I guess. Like, convertibles we love our cars and i could see somebody being more like don't put your label i mean nobody should like it i don't know why we're resigned to it in the midwest i it'd be like you go buy a tv at target and it says samsung on the tv but then there's also a three-dimensional plastic block lettering that says target yes like target tvs because it was like yeah, or if it was on always all like the clothes you bought on Target. It said Target on it because TV at least is in private. The kind of the embarrassing thing is like yeah. you're in public <laughs> advertising shilling for another person. And it was always like like o- O'Leary's yeah. Nissan. Yep. It was usually like two words: the possessive person and then the brand. Uh, yeah, Reardon Auto. Yeah. Reardon was the big oh, uh, wow. auto uh, a lot. The nerve. Time. And I wonder if you could go like, because I could ima- I think I even imagine the scenario of buying a car in the Midwest at one of these lots and going, you have a deal on one condition. I don't want your 
branding. Yeah. I'm not paying to advertise your place. Take you know it who off. I think does it? Who? Does do it is CarMax. Really? Because I feel like I got a car from CarMax and it said CarMax. No. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe. Huh. Yeah. Did you ever have vanity plates? No, I couldn't. Yeah, I've do never it. had vanity no. plates. No, I couldn't. <laughs> I. I think maybe I had like a custom license plate frame once. I'm trying to remember what it was. I don't do anything that will invite strangers wanting to interact with me. (laughs) And if I have a a vanity plate, that's just an invitation to somebody to be like, hey, you're like, yep, they're like, you're like, beep, beep, D's nuts. That's pretty funny, man. Yeah. I mean, I once was in a writer's room and I was just like, you know, when I go out to eat in a restaurant by myself and I look at in a restaurant, I see two strangers talking and I go, (laughs) why are you doing that? You don't have to talk. Don't you want peace? And I was saying this and then somebody in the writer's room was like, that's because, Paul, you have friends. Yeah. Some people... Yeah. Are lonely. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, right, okay." <laughs> this so is all a people, person who's blessed with friends yeah. looking at like strangers connecting to be like chumps. Is it fair to say anyone with a vanity plate is lonely? Yes, yes, I think so. I mean, I my friend Adam pointed out to me when we moved to L.A. One of the kind of the depressing things about it when you're on a freeway in L.A. and there's the um, carpool lane that's completely empty. All you and but the all the other lanes are just bumper to bumper traffic. All you need (laughs) to get the carpool lane is one other person. It just requires two people in the car. If someone would just abandon their car in traffic and get in yours, you could both get there quicker. But it's also like when you look at that sea of bumper to bumper traffic, it is a guarantee. You know everybody in there is alone in that car because with a vanity plate. (laughs) Looking it's like the everybody hurts video. <laughs> Who's that guy? Whisker Biscuits. <laughs> Doesn't even rhyme. It's <laughs> a terrible vanity plate. No vowels. Uh, but yeah, affixing a, 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 a bumper sticker without permission is yeah. a real atrocity. Yeah, it is an affront to humanity. <laughs> that was bold. Like in in the space of twenty seconds, he tries to calm kids by scaring them more, and then puts a bumper sticker on their car. This is the greatest movie villain of all time. (laughs) And that it's like, it's not a good front. Like, I get the motel idea of it's kind of like, it presents, people think I'm just like benign. Yeah. But he's putting unasked for bumper stickers on cars and scaring children. People are going to start thinking like, wait, is this the guy... Yeah, people is he have gone missing. People, his food too, because yeah. he's a weirdo, and he's also got this strange morality of like he won't distribute outside of a one hundred mile circumference or whatever it is. I didn't hear that. Yeah, when they're eating at the picnic, he says, "Someone's like they they hadn't heard of it," and he's like, "Well, that's because I won't. I want it to be fresh. So also, it's smoked meat. This is the one thing you can just let sit. Yeah, it's, is smoked meat just jerky?" Uh, and the, other kinds, it's it's preserved because it's smoked. So, like, you can have, like, smoked ham, which I don't think is, like, jerky. It's just uh, dried out so it can keep. So it's the one food you could just ship anywhere in the world, and that's I think. that's a really funny line at the end when he oh, his yeah. final words yeah. was, I used preservatives. Uh, it's one what? of the greatest movie twists I've ever seen. <laughs> 
because it's so useless, but funny. It's yeah. all for a joke. I thought it was a microcosm of the movie, which is it's partly weird, partly funny. Yeah. Um, dark. Yeah. 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 That I did love that. I mean, that was a Shyamalan twist. Of, <laughs> you didn't see it become like the best twists are the ones you don't see coming because you're not even looking for them. Right. This was that, except instead of you not looking for it, you don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is something I did care about <laughs> and I wanted an answer to because I don't think I was like waiting for it to pay off. What's the thing when Vincent puts on that eight track in the barn with the straw? I thought that that at first was a secret way to open a hatch. But then I realized I just accepted that as the case and then never saw a hatch open. Well, still thought it was. The thing I thought it was going to be was like sounds that trick people or something, get people to lure them to the motel or something. I guess it was just going to put on some music while I do my work here. (laughs) <laughs> he keeps his eight track wearing the straw. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. That's a good question. I didn't. I forgot about it after. No, it passed, I, but think, I thought it was relevant too, and then it wasn't. I think you're right. He's just a music lover who's turning on music. But I thought for sure thought it, it was strange, like, like how you turn, like you pull out a book in a bookcase, and a secret hatch opens, like yeah, something um, like that. Uh, as Pee Wee says in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, James Bond kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. The girls with the squirt guns, one of them has a squirt gun, the other one just has like a spark gun, but the girl with the squirt gun has a perfect replica of a Mauser Schnell Fuhrer. I just had to get it out. <laughs> I love the gun talk. I just had to get it out. <laughs> Why does Bruce the cop pull up full sirens speeding? He's just visiting the farm. That actor wanted to make an entrance. Grossman from Chips. Yeah, so I found that out when I looked at his thing. And uh, uh, I'm not uh, uh, knowledgeable enough about Chips. I didn't know who he was in Chips. I just know um, the two main He was just like the bumbling, kind of like he's basically this character. Yeah, He had a little more weight on him in Chips. but he was kind of a comic relief. Yeah. Chips, Chips and, and dips. dips. And he's on. Grossman. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, um, yeah, so, right, he, he, he makes his entrance, and then um, the health inspector makes his entrance. Yeah. And then he gets a little scared and he runs off. Yeah. Um, I d- did say, like, I like... Um, and this was after the point where they let her know that her boyfriend died, but she can stay here and work on the farm if she wants to. <laughs> or she, she has to she stay has here to. and work on the farm. Um, uh, with the exception of kind of the, uh, like some of the more like really fun, crazy scenes towards the end, like the um, getting those guys to astral project and then the chainsaw fight at the end and stuff. And then even when the swingers show up, I thought that was really fun. But I do think the first 25 minutes of this movie were my favorite because mm. I do like the likes. Um, I did think it was pretty clever screenwriting or filmmaking that it wasn't laid out. I like how the information was like slowly doled out of like what was happening at motel hell. Yeah. So that it wasn't until like 35 minutes in when the heads are in the garden and then they're eating at the picnic that it all 
came together, I thought uh, a less clever movie would just, from the start, show them, kill them, smoke them, put right. them in the garden, smoke them, and eat them. So I did like that it was like a mystery yeah. for the first Yeah, you get to minutes. go on the whole journey. The, yeah. the Baghead Garden... I wish this movie were bigger in the popular culture because, you know, we go all out here at this house for decorating for Halloween and to just to work up like working little servo motors with yes. bags that look like heads in them in the front yard, just moving around with that <laughs> sound would have been the most amazing. But that's awesome. Do it. Let the Motel Hell fans come out of the woodworks. <laughs> what if I did that? And then thousands of people came and went, I feel heard. I feel seen. Finally, you start charging money for people to come and look at the servo heads. You inadvertently build the next Disneyland. <laughs> um, yeah, that image is great. There's a really great shot with Ivan and the Terribles when their three heads, their four heads are yeah. all like buried. Uh, and uh, I did think, like, at uh, when you said, like, I'm it's too bad this movie's not more popular. I did think, like, oh, I'm surprised this isn't more of an inside joke. The Yeah, why didn't this one... I know it has a slight cult following, but why isn't this one what... Uh, like, what, like Reanimator seems to really yep. be... Yeah, that's a good comparison. That, so maybe it's just more fun. I don't know. I've seen Reanimator. I think I might like Motel Hell more. Yeah. Ooh, reanimator fans. Oh, get ready for the backlash. <laughs> Our Patreon followers are dropping like flies. <laughs> My God. It's like the uh, Facebook uh, user numbers tallying up, but opposite. <laughs> Book face. Uh, the uh, so um. I liked the score. I thought the score was good because it was sort of this... Um, yeah, the score was good. It was almost like, at some points, like experimental and stuff. Yeah. It was like weird. And I thought it was a good match that I was like, oh, this is a weird horror movie. So they're doing a weird horror score. But I could see how that, that choice could maybe blow up in your face because sometimes music is like the thing, I think, in like spoofs. Or satire that like you grounds keep you. It, keep it in the genre more. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> as we've seen with Halloween 5, when you start adding some oh silly God. sound effects to the score, things can get oh pretty God. crazy. Halloween 5 would do better with this music over it than... Yeah. <laughs> uh, when the health inspector shows back up I felt um, this um, the w uh, correlation with uh, Terror Train the way he holds the the light shines on that flashlight and the glare mm. is a very specific like 70s gauzy glare that yeah. happens on and I'm like was this the late 70s early 80s equivalent of like the lens flare the like it hot must be. metal Look, <laughs> yeah, I think it is, and I think it's that exactly that it was both trendy and a product of its time. I love it I when it shows too. up in movies, it looks so good. It's like the same thing that double exposure, desaturated, uh, like Janusz Kaminski saving Private Ryan thing that got used by everything after and is still used by Spielberg today. Yes, uh, 
like I, I saw it, the trailer for um, uh, West Side Story. Story. I, I'm assuming that's Janusz Kaminski because it sure looks like it. Mm-hmm. And it's not like Saving Private Ryan cinematography, but it is that kind of same look. And it it's just weird that he's so stuck in that look for West Side Story of all things, which mm. should feels like Vibrant. it should be. Yeah. Yeah. And um, right. It's not my favorite because my favorite, favorite, when I think of favorite color in movie uh, is the Godfather movies. Oh, yeah. And I think Coppola, like, he's a master at so many things. But, like, his ability that you actually, like, through sound and color, know the texture of something yeah. in his movies are so good that I do think you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot when you do that stylish kind I of, agree. what is that, that, like... It's so dated, that color time. Minority report. Yeah. Look. It's, it's a diffusion... Uh, and then with Saving Private Ryan, it was literally taking frames out. So that worked for Saving Private Ryan because it was, it had a feel of you're watching footage from the time in uh-huh. a way, like it was a happy medium. Um, Gordon Willis from Back uh, Back to the Godfather. <laughs> I watched the Parallax View the other day. I'd uh-huh. never seen it, and he shot that. It's so amazing looking. Yeah, I've never seen that movie before. They, How about that scene when he gets mind fried with oh, the images. Yeah, but him and just in that chair and the the like wide shot that comes in, same with the opening for the review panel. That's but, one of the most like staggering pieces I've seen in a movie is yeah. that like my, what is it? It's like a brainwashing film he watches or the, something. It's to test his reactions to see if he's assassin material. Yes. But do you remember that they talk about flashers in that? No, I forgot. And he's getting an, he needs to get it, a a fake identity and so he goes to Dick Sean who's a former FBI agent and he talks to him both of them riding on one of those miniature choo-choo trains in Griffith Park that's where they're talking and he goes mm-hmm. well what we got to do is give you a double identity so when they find the fake one then you admit you have this other one and they'll think it's real but it's not real so we need to give your first one a misdemeanor or an infraction we'll make him a wanger danger a wanger a wanger a wanger dangler. You'll be a flasher. That the Warren Beatty should be charged as a wanger dangler. I know. God, he's so good looking. His hair is incredible in that movie. Yeah, impeccable. It, it's amazing. Uh, a gorgeous man who also knows you don't want to see him talking the whole time. Yeah. He's got such an understanding of his uh, charisma. Yeah. But... Yeah, how was Par- Parallax View? So fun, huh? I'd never seen it before. Yeah, I really liked it. And the, the, the guy who plays the kind of evil deputy in that is Mr. Wilson from Home Improvement. Did you know that? I didn't. Not the main sheriff, but the deputy he fights in that like bar lodge. I guess I didn't recognize him because he didn't have a fence in front of his face. Yeah. <laughs> it's such an abrupt, bleak ending that it. when I watch it, when I watched it, I was like, that's, I didn't like the ending. But then when you take a second to think about the time it was made with all the conspiracies and the assassinations that were happening at the time. Yeah. Not actual conspiracies, but the theories that were around. It does make sense that because you never get to the bottom of the parallax corporation in this movie. So it, right. It feels unsatisfactory watching it today, but at the time you would have probably been like, Oh yeah, it has to end that way because that's what life is. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, those 70s, you know, I think starting with Bonnie and Clyde and Easy Rider, the like, bu- the bummer ending. 
yeah. or the, the non-Hollywood ending. It's funny how, as the 70s went on, what was revolutionary about the unhappy ending is that it wasn't, it broke the cliche of the happy ending. But sometimes when I watch those 70s movies and they got the bummer ending, I'm like, that's a cliche. You're doing, well, it definitely it, became that, for sure. Yeah, You're right. just as cliche as the thing you were trying to go. Like, yeah. Maybe this movie now, like some movies, should end tragic. It's not like yeah. I'm saying like Chinatown. Just try a happy ending I, here. Let's I, see how it works. But, for me, <laughs> would you mind? Um, the uh, and then uh, Tarantino says what changed that was 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 Rocky. Oh yeah, that makes sense. What year was Rocky? Seventy six, I think. Yeah, and then you get Star Wars. Yeah, and Jaws has a happy ending, but it's not like. Um, and it's interesting because Rocky isn't necessarily a happy, happy ending because he loses. It's just yeah. like you. It's a it's a stepping a stone. It's a way back. It's the middle ground. The when he tells uh, Adrian that he loves her, when she's running to him and he's calling for her, Adrian, Adrian. That's one of those scenes that's like the farewell uh, ET scene. Oh yeah, where if it's just taken out of context and like dropped in front of me, and I just see that scene. I don't need to have watched the whole other scene to start crying. Oh, wow. It's like really moving to oh, me. Oh, my God. The I fact that Stallone could put a lump in, in my throat. Years. That's, that's what I got to watch, that franchise soon. Did we talk about Victory last week? Did I talk about We them? talked about Victory a bit. That I watched it or I was going to watch oh, it? Oh, I don't know that you had watched it yet. I watched it, and I'd seen it many times before, but I read up a little bit about it because Stallone's in that. And it's it was a very serious movie about... Um, English prisoners of, or the allied prisoners of war fighting the German, playing the German army in soccer. Uh huh. But then, and John Huston directed it. So it's got this like great escape, grand World War II, Max von Sydow's in it, Uh Michael Caine. But then somehow, uh, Sylvester Sloan gets attached to it. And so it has to become Rocky or something. It comes Rockyfied. Bill Conti does the score. Ha! So he must have brought him along. And, Apparently, reading up on it, he insisted that Sylvester Stallone gets to make the final goal at the end. He's the goalie for his team, and he's insisting that the goalie gets to make the goal. And so, other than Michael Caine, all the other people on the team are basically actual football players. And the the story is that they went up to him basically one by one going, mate, you can't make the goal. You can't make the goal. You're the goalie. It doesn't doesn't happen. So they change the script to go to penalty kicks, and he gets to save the day by blocking the goal. Oh! Because I have seen victory. <laughs> you have or you haven't? I haven't. Oh, I love it. So that's so funny that it's like... It's so um, Busta Rhymes kicking yes. uh, Michael Myers 100%. where it's not only just an ego choice mm-hmm. that is a bummer to watch because you know it's all ego it's just it's runs so counter to what the movie should be and like is there correct me if I'm wrong but I can't imagine a less rousing ending to a sports movie exactly. than penalty kicks yeah. and good defense <laughs> Like, it needs to be a point is scored. 100%. And the offense wins. 100%. It absolutely should have been Michael Caine to kick the goal. But Michael Caine's 47 in this movie. Ooh. And you can tell, like, all clips of him. He needs a Michael Caine. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, all clips of him running last about a second because that's all the footage they could get. But he should have, he's the captain. He should have gotten the, the score yes. or some, one of the other players. But I will say this. There's something about the mix of a John Huston movie who I think by this time is probably phoning it in. He's even said, I think it's his least favorite movie. Mm-hmm. And the energy of the Rocky formula into this. Because there's even a scene where Stallone gets kicked a bunch and he's down on the grass in the pitch with that same kind of Rocky oh. cinematography. Yeah. While stuff is going on around him and it's like, will he muster and get back? And he's bleeding and it's like, you never see this in soccer. I know he, he is getting kicked by the Wehrmacht team, but it's just the mix of the two things. And Conti, to Conti's defense, is doing more of a classic World War II score, like it's grand marching anthems and stuff. Uh, it's not, although that's kind of what Rocky is too. But there is something about this movie, I don't know what it is, and I bet I'd be curious if you do watch it because coming to it blind, you'd probably be like, this is a piece of shit. <laughs> but you watched it, it at a sleepover, right? So it's always good. At, I saw it in the theater with my dad the originally. Yeah. Uh, the uh, So of course, then even more, you're going to have a fond association with it. Yeah, but when they scored a goal at one point in this movie, I did what I think people do when they're watching an actual sports match. I did that thing where you raise your two hands and go, oh, God. Well, we were talking about uh, Double Dare a couple episodes ago, and I, when I was wa- re-watching on um, Paramount Plus with uh, my wife and kid, we were, uh, uh, I told Leslie that when my sisters and I would watch Double Dare during the Obstacle Challenge, we were on our feet. Yeah. Like, um, especially when it'd get down to the last rounds, uh, nobody's gonna see this, so this is just for you, girlie. But oh. can you imagine, like, two, like a tween girl, and then like an eight-year-old boy going, ah! <laughs> <laughs> like thinking if I kick my legs and move my arms like a video game, the people on screen are gonna do it too. That's what people do on Super Bowl and football games that I've never understood, and I love to daredevil. I mean, double dare too. I get that. Yeah, I completely get that. Everybody has their thing. I've heard though, um, if you see a guy in a a bar or something who's losing his mind about the game, about a game, um, they, somebody told me nine out of ten, ten times it's because he he's bet on it. Oh, probably that. Like yeah. nobody really has a reaction like that in public oh, to a team rising or falling. Oh wow! Unless you're with your buddies and you're all like fans of the team, but if you just see a guy by himself, be like. Ah! God damn it! God damn it! There goes the house. She's 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 gone. She's gone. She's gone. She left she, me. She's taking the kids. <laughs> the uh, um, the then there's the big reveal. The heads in the garden. Yeah, that's when we find out what's going on. And then the Ivan the Terribles. Yeah, um, that's a good band name. It really is. And the the fact that they have a whole like Soviet theme going. Right. They're doubly oh, bad. The, when they revealed the van, just this moment was maybe my favorite in the film because it goes from um, the inspector comes and hold on, where is it? Sorry. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, stall, god damn it, stall. Oh, um, uh, yeah, when the Ivan the Terribles, when they're in the van, they're like smoking, all sharing a bong yeah. and playing music at the same time. I'm like, okay, I it's got cool it. to be a band. It was just Rory Calhoun's just amazing delivery on another spot check, Bob. And it smash cuts to those eyes on the van and just the music. But it was, I don't know, something about Rory just going, 
so friendly, like, and so passive aggressively. Yeah. Another spot check, Bob. <laughs> Crash. It was great. That was great. Yeah. Because uh, he was talking to the health inspector. Is yeah. that what the. Yeah. Um, then that's when we kind of. I liked it there. Then, then you can put it together like, oh, okay, this is how he must have gotten the first car, too. He set up a, mm. a trap. Yeah. But then. Um, I liked. Uh, they did put a lot of thought into like the, why they're doing this. You get like five sure different explanations, <laughs> and one of them that I liked was Farmer Vincent going. He likes setting traps because he likes it's. He gets to be creative. Yes, I know that's right. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> lets him be smart and be creative. I uh, I want. To, I just have a general note for overalls. Because there's a lot of overalls. Mm-hmm. And it just made me realize how much I love and miss overalls. I have some overalls actually over there outside on top of that cooler that I, they're like like big baggy, like engineer, train engineer overalls. Because <laughs> I use them if I have to like crawl under the house or something. Mm. But overalls, it's, it's weird because they get such a farmer wrap. And there was like a time in the 90s and the late 80s yeah. where you could wear them fashion wise. But they are utilitarian like overalls should just be accepted far and wide because yes. you can put them on they're literally called overalls you can put them on your clothes over your clothes yeah. or you can just wear them as clothes they're, and they have pockets which everybody loves yeah and they're not as all-encompassing as coveralls that you have to put over your arms you yeah. just slip them on and i think they look really good like they are becoming for people i agree um because i think it's sort of like um gives you a nice Give somebody a nice outline when you're wearing one thing over your whole body. Yeah, but um, just a big fan. Just a no, fan. I love overalls too. I got some in uh, at the beginning of COVID. That's right. You Be- told me that because yeah. I love uh, in um, in Inherent Vice. Owen Wilson has a pair of white overalls mm. that look so cool. And in that George Harrison documentary, like painter, uh, are they like white painters yeah. overalls? Yeah. Um, yeah. And George Harrison in that. Um, Living in the Material World mm. documentary. The Scorsese one? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not great because I, I guess it was when he was um, in the throes of a heroin addiction, <laughs> but he's wearing like white overalls and it looks so cool. Yeah. So um, uh, Leslie got me some. She oh. found some and I was wearing them around in COVID. They were nice. Really. They were, were they good. new or are they used? Uh, they were new. Oh, wow. Were yeah. they like Dickies or what are they? Uh, Carhartt? Carhartt. Yeah. Wow. Um... Yeah, uh, I I remember a few years ago, I'd, I'd see women wearing Carhartt overalls and stuff, and mm. had some stylish thing. But it did it does seem to be like the early '90s was the last time where yeah it was most fashionable. Uh, in the late '80s, my uh, we would compete at theater festivals in high school, and we did a mime scene of. Harold and the Purple Crayon, and you weren't allowed to wear costumes, but you could theme dress. So there were four of us in white overalls and purple t-shirts doing a mime oh of Harold gosh. and the Purple Crayon. Oh <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Any of those details Harold. isolated alone would be just like... <laughs> Uh, a jewel, but the fact that I get, 
You know what I'm saying? Like a white and purple outfit is already great. The yeah. fact that there's four of them and then they're all on high school boys, and then the reason is because it's mime and what kind of mime for Harold and the Purple Grand? Guess who played Harold? <laughs> and guess who didn't even get to the semifinals? You played Harold. Yep. So did they have to like lift you sometimes? To, all, like... all kinds of stuff. Yeah. It was like, and those theater festivals at that time, they were so stylized. They were awful. They were like the way to brutalize theater. So people would do like Shakespeare, but everybody's in lockstep and you would like, people would play chairs and it was so fast and furious. Yeah. It's like those cheerleader compositions like you lose all sight of the point of doing these things yeah or for the, this uh, new when you watch artifice. debate yeah high school debates and they're like it's no 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 that the cold fusion we're gonna yeah. and it's like i thought this was about me being able to understand your <laughs> argument <laughs> well you would have not even understood that this was about harold and the purple crown if <laughs> if you because you were allowed for the mime category to do like 10 words in a title. So it'd be like Harold and the Purple Crab by Lacerna High Lancers or whatever we did. And then you're off to the races. I did speech competitions all through high school and mm. it was this. It was like choral reading. Um, the Montessori school oh. in uh, Des Moines had these um, uh, amazing uh, speech competitions. The, their, their work, like people would rush. It, they were awe-inspiring, really cool stuff. And then, um, meanwhile, <laughs> I was in stuff that was, uh, I was in a one-act called uh, I Never Saw Another Butterfly, which is like a one-act Holocaust drama. Ooh. Do you think I, as a 15-year-old boy, had the capacity to pull off this? Like, I had just found out what the Holocaust was, was like, five years before that and now I'm like trying to play a character what, how old was your character a high school like okay at least yeah, there's that yes yeah yeah um but uh and then the only other speech competition story I'll share was I was in an improv group and we thought you know what let's just be safe and have some lines planned <laughs> Okay, okay, let's plant some lines. Okay, maybe we should rehearse those lines before five minutes before the improv. And so we're like rehearsing. Uh, and then we go, we do the improv, and a couple of judges disqualified us because they saw that we had canned it. Because just because they could tell, or you were using like lines from movies, <laughs> <laughs> just because they could tell, because yeah. we're bad actors, oh, right. and this, nobody was buying it. And the thing I most remember was we had a written line about using the word incontinence, and or in, I'm incontinent, <laughs> and I remember. Not only did it not get a laugh <laughs> when the person said incontinent, I remember hearing somebody go. <sighs> Just like, ugh, oh, these this guys. sucks. Oh, uh, but other than that, there were some real high points of speech competition that like, were some of my favorite moments in high school, oh. getting to like, do uh, the bald soprano. Oh, wow. Yeah, and stuff like that. Wait, that so was... for speech, you're doing full-on plays? Yeah, it was like one acts, uh, maybe abridged plays or something. Oh, wow. And then they, yeah, it was group and solo. So, oh. yeah. 
So you did. If you wanted to, you uh, might match your dorkiness of the white overalls. Harold is my solo improv where I'm doing multiple characters talking to each other. Solo man in the moon marigolds. <laughs> so, solo flowers for Algernon. Yeah, what's the? I was also the case of the crushed petunias. I was in this Tennessee uh, what's, Williams. Yeah, what's, what's this obsession with flowers? Uh, yeah, in the American theater. Yeah, because there's also that. What is that? What's the famous play that that monologue is from where the woman's just going, jonquils, I bought a bunch of jonquils, which are flowers that I didn't know at the time. and I didn't know? I have no idea. Do you know what I think is like a funny um, thing that was like a thing in the early half of the century is like the title of a movie or a book being an expression from like a poem or a speech. So like the grapes of wrath because oh, yeah. that comes from the grapes of wrath are stored or uh, I'll give you many other examples later. Oh well, like the sound and the fury, something wicked this way comes. There's a million Shakespeare ones, but I don't think they do it as much now. Like yeah. the idea of kind of being like, this movie isn't low minded. Oh, it's Star a- Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country from that's from Hamlet. <laughs> Was that the last one? The last? No. That was like, no, no. I mean, the last time a title oh. had a uh, oh, a high-minded title. Uh, no, because I think the Curse of Michael Myers is from <laughs> Chaucer. <laughs> that, that's those words have existed in Chaucer for ever. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't ever acknowledged in Halloween until well if you th- if that movie would have you believe that the ancient runes of the Celts <laughs> probably part of that movie where they can't like walk down a hallway because the runes are on <laughs> the floor right. or something I already want to watch that movie again me too yeah I told you like when we ranked those movies I was just like Halloween 6 is awesome oh, why didn't I choose that for the next commentary <laughs> god damn I'll put it in the pocket. Question yeah. is, which one? Which Halloween 6? Well, uh, <laughs> whatever the one that involves the guy's head exploding. And the and the one that they can't walk down the hall because of the rooms. <laughs> <laughs> well, if those are two different versions, then oh, uh, God, we'll have to watch both. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> one moment that I thought was a little strange. Yeah, so they're, they're at the picnic. He shares that his granny taught him how to smoke everything, mm-hmm. and he smoked the dog, the family dog, and they ate it. Um, <laughs> got a crazy moment. It was when Ida's about to spill the secret about uh, yeah. why the meat tastes good, uh-huh. and Vincent's way to stop her is to punch her in the in stomach. The stomach! But it's also such a cartoon punch. <clears throat> it has no force to it, and that also feels like two parts that he doesn't want to hurt Nancy Parsons, but also he's just like, that guy doesn't have a strong punch in him. Is Nancy Parsons, is she in Porky's? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I thought I knew her from the as the Porky's phys ed teacher, right? Yeah, and she lived in South Pasadena and was like, worked oh. with Pasadena Playhouse a bunch too. No kidding. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought she's really great. Yeah. Uh, I like watching her on screen. And um, She died pretty young at like 58 for diabetes, I think. Oh, she died? Yeah. Oh. Um, did they mix her flesh with pork and have people eat it in a they fritter? Buried her upside down with just her socks sticking out. 
Now that was gilding the lily on the twists, uh, you know, because you've just come off the fact that he's used preservatives. Yeah, and then her uh, laser stick. And then they go touch her, and she's alive. And I guess it's not quite a twist, but yeah, no, I know what you're saying. And that leg part was very confusing. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on there. Yeah, was it like a a different way to like plan a turnip? I yeah, or just that's how they wanted to kill her. Oh, they killed her that way. That's right. Yeah, they weren't trying to grow her. No, no, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, the the guy who's the guitarist in Ivan and the Terribles, his name's Mark Silver, but I was just looking at his credits. He was in a movie with O.J. Simpson called Cocaine and Blue Eyes. <laughs> well, I feel like the title they probably meant is like Cocaine and Blue Eyes, but like poet, poetic kind of title. But that also just feels like like Magruder and Loud, Ten Speed and Brown Shoe. Like That's what I thought it was. Two like cops, cocaine. Two cops, cocaine. And, and, uh, probably yeah. is, but that just, I don't know why that's who played who? to me. Good question. <laughs> um, it's funny, uh, the last, those will be the thing, the last things O.J. Simpson sees before he dies. <laughs> I don't know what the blue eyes are, but. <laughs> probably. Um, I had a question when, when um, the secret is that mixed in with the pork is, um, human, human flesh. flesh. Yeah. It dawned on me. I've never asked myself the question of does it does human flesh taste good, and does it have a distinctive enough taste? Like if somebody gave me a sandwich that was part pork, part human flesh, would I eat that and go, "Yum, yum, yum! I love this, and this tastes just like hamburger." Like would it probably would taste different, but I wonder if it would taste similar to another type of meat because you know, like you eat pork tastes different than beef, tastes different than chicken. I had ostrich once; it des- definitely had its own thing. Hmm. Um, but I bet meat is meat, and if someone didn't tell you and you ate human flesh in a, in a sandwich with like dressing and all that stuff, mm-hmm. you'd probably like it. If you like meat sandwiches, which I do, I yeah. bet you'd go like. I bet, he, and also it probably depends on the human. Like a, like a fatter human probably has richer meat, where a lean one doesn't. Yeah. Or uh, did you see Snowpiercer? Yeah. That thing when they reveal that like they're eating humans. Just uh, spoiler if you haven't seen Snowpiercer, but that they found out that the babies taste better, oh. so they would start eating the babies. Oh boy. So I was thinking about that when I was thinking like, does human flesh taste good? Um, and does it matter like kind of where it falls in the age range? Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a good question too. I bet. I yeah. didn't think about the weight thing. I bet it is. If somebody's a little heavier set, it's like a juicier. And think about how different veal is to like just regular beef. I mean, that's not just cause they're young, but they don't let them move around. Uh, is this our first cannibal? <laughs> Have we had some long, type of long overdue? I think. <laughs> cause I guess. Technically, zombies are like cannibals, but we yeah. haven't really had a zombie movie yet. Yeah, and we haven't done Silence of the Lambs. Right. Because cannibalism is a funny joke. For It's a funny thing, but it does seem to be, next to incest, maybe like the taboo. <laughs> right? Like the line you don't cross. In a movie or in life? In life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yet. People definitely cross the incest line. You don't hear much about cannibalism 
and remember it's Army a, Hammer oh, a few months right. ago. Yeah, but you're right. Not not a lot of people have like cannibal rumors flying around. Them. I know that is interesting that he, because before that you weren't getting many, but he really did get one recently. Yeah, was there any previous cannibal accusations? Probably is like um, uh, cannibal uh, holocaust. Uh, colonialists yeah <laughs> coming back and sharing fake stories about being put in a big cauldron <laughs> and there's cannibal holocaust which was you know the film that was rumored right. to be real cannibalism i've seen that i've, I've seen cannibal seen holocaust hmm. um i remember watching cannibal holocaust with a group of people and half the room was bummed out yeah. <laughs> it wasn't fun yeah <laughs> I don't know that that, you know how you don't want to watch The Fly or, or The Descent. Maybe Cannibal Holocaust is one. I don't. But you it's also see a turtle's like, legs get hacked off. Oh, is that? It's also animal yeah, stuff. Um, not, okay, then I yeah. am out. Yeah. Yeah. And I hate turtles. <laughs> and I'm still out. Well, you raised Who one could hate back turtles? when you were a bunny. That's another bunny thing. <laughs> God, know. the tortoise and the hare. I know. Can God. you imagine if someone hated turtles? How could you hate a turtle? You fucking asshole. Yeah, you'd have to be a real asshole to hate a turtle. What has a turtle ever done to you? No one hates turtles. A turtle couldn't do anything to a human, right? No, they, they can't do anything to anything. They, so, can, they can eat lettuce. That's it. And have a cute little tail. And go... So then we get a romantic rowboat scene. Between like Terry a and, and Bruce, nineteen thirties horse feathers kind of parasol says that I love you. Um, so I thought when he invited her to the drive-in movie, I thought this was like just a classic. Um, I hate it when movies come up with movie titles specifically for horror and yeah. sci-fi movies, but it's, it's real. Like, the mutant month, but it's real. Yeah, the yeah. monster that challenged the world. <laughs> it's so specific. Yeah, maybe it could only be real because that. Yeah, um, but uh, I did. So this doesn't really apply here, but it's always funny to me when they do in movies like a sci-fi fake yeah. horror title. It's always like the mutant monsters from outer space, but they'll never do like sphere. Yeah, <laughs> like a real. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. usually sci-fi ones are just like Vanguard or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I had always heard that the first title for in Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, was Indiana Jones and the Saucer Men from Mars. I had heard that too. And that was like, I think there's some residue of it in Crystal Skull, the idea that Definitely. like um, Lucas was like, well, if the other ones were like the Republic serials, these are like the yeah. low-rent 50s yeah. UFO pictures. But... That didn't really make sense to me because it's like, but Indiana Jones is an adventurer. I know. He's not a UFO. Yeah. Like, I get that he's in the 50s now, but must Indiana Jones represent the <laughs> genres of the time? <laughs> when was that the rule? Yeah. So I can't wait for this new one, which would then be set, we're talking late 60s, early 70s, by now, so this better have some Easy Rider, Bonnie and Clyde. Like, what if it has a bummer ending? 
<laughs> or it's just Indiana Jones gets shotgunned. He dies in blackout. And then meets a young uh, Harrison Ford with one line. Like he meets the 70s, late 60s, 70s actor Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah. Who's just like shot his one line in Apocalypse Now or the Frisco Kid. <laughs> Hanover Street. Wait, wh- when did Crystal Skull come out? 2008. So it's going to be, what year does the new indie come out? Is it this year or next year? It's next year, Probably right? Probably 22. So it's 14 years after the events of <laughs> Crystal Skull. And what year was that? Well, they had all that like McCarthy stuff. Ike. So like 54, 55, yeah, maybe? Yeah. 56, so 57? We are talking 69, 70 is when this is going to be. That's crazy. Like, I know Spielberg's not directing this next one, but no. it's it's reaching the point when George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were making movies. It's get, it, in 10 more years, it will be or <laughs> basically 81 when Raiders comes out. This, you know what? And he should happen upon the filming of that yeah. movie. He's in, he's in Tunisia yeah. to get to the Ark, and he has to deal with this crew of movie that wants to make a movie they about the Ark. They should make a comedy where... Indiana, like Back to the Future, how you see in the second one, the first one yes. unfolding in the background, <laughs> where it's old Indiana Jones. And to tie up all the stuff that doesn't make sense in Raiders, not all the stuff, Raiders is a masterpiece, yeah. but it's just like, like um, you see that the old Indy pulls the Harrison Ford as Indy, is this what the reality is? Uh, and goes like, now... If you got to get to a sub, yeah, here's yeah. how you can go underwater yeah. and get to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a British star is a sore. <laughs> All right. Well, astral, are we to astral projection? Uh, yeah, I think. Oh, oh, when they're burying the bodies. I did think there was just a procedural element yeah. to, to Motel Hell. The, like, of, like, like how would they do this? Yeah. Um, the oh, just when they go to the drive-in and he breaks out the binoculars oh, yeah. and she thinks that's so cool. It, yeah. No. <laughs> Why don't you they... have to hold them the whole time? No, I don't. And there's no snack bar. The whole reason you go to the can yeah. to the drive-in is so you can eat fun snacks. But why doesn't he just take her to the drive-in? Because he thinks it's a cool like life hack. It's yeah. like he's trying to impress her. I mean, it was badass that he was able to clear out the lover's lane. Yeah, that I was I mean, fun. it's a dick move, but it's badass. <laughs> Those things are not mutually exclusive. He's doing his part like his uh, brother and sister of keeping down overpopulation. Yeah. <laughs> That's his method <laughs> of doing it. Except he's aggressively trying to overpopulate with Terry. That's the problem is that Bruce is not a good person or character, especially in the beginning of the movie. So it was... Like um, jarring for me that he becomes the hero of the movie. Yeah, and fighting and I just his like, own brother. It's not. They're trying to do that low comedy of "I'm trying to get laid here." Yeah, like not. I know it's my sad to think that like, like in the beginning of this movie, what his character does is like no marks against him from that era. If anything, it's yes. just like, oh, this poor underdog can't get laid for trying aggressively. <laughs> He's basically like Mahoney in Police Academy. Yeah, well, when you mentioned uh, Bill Murray in Meatballs, um, when Bill Murray was kind of soft retired from like 84 to yeah. 88, I love the amount of 
Murray's that Hollywood was willing to <laughs> offer in that moment. And it's like Mahoney. Yeah. It's like Steve Gutenberg Mahoney. Yeah. And then I also think it's like Tom Hanks and Bachelor Party. Yeah. Like yep. I think Tom Hanks initially in Splash in right. those movies is being Bill Murray. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and there was one other actor, maybe some of our listeners could. Joe Piscopo? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Michael Keaton, you helped oh, me out there yeah, with Johnny yeah. Dangerously. Michael oh. Keaton is the other, like, oh, yeah. let's fill the Bill Murray gap that we have right now of the, like... Because that comic persona character act, uh, actor, that does not exist no, anymore. No, because it's not like a Will Ferrell vehicle. They were movies with scripts that people got the parts of. They weren't vehicles for someone. Yeah, and they then the character roles. is kind of this, like, wise-ass... Mm-hmm. Who sort of moves through the movie being a wise ass? Yeah, I just Seth Rogen is yeah, maybe the closest probably. thing of like somebody yeah. who like you go and you like their their attitude is funny and it's funny to see it play off a yeah. story. Yeah, but they were they really were wise asses back then, not lovable schlubs or something. You know, that's true. And I think the, rightly so. Today's culture just doesn't have time to suffer that kind of fool. You know, Johnny Dangerously. I loved that movie. Is that a good movie? It's I, the first half hour is like unassailable. It really? is so funny, and then something happens. Roger Ebert's <laughs> review actually like is about that kind of like it's really funny, and you wonder how they're going to keep it up, and they don't. And he put words to how I felt when I watched Johnny Dangerously, which was like, God, it's so funny at the end. Uh, I mean, the funniest uh, runner. I love the like Joe Piscopo when he goes. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, my father hit me once. Once, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. And then the uh, the vulgar villain who's not really oh, saying swears. Coney, you, you, you fucking eyes holes. You bastard! You fucking eyes hole. Yeah, well, that guy, I know. Bastages, bastages. you fucking bastages. What the mouth on this guy? <laughs> that's right. And oh, and when he busting him out of. Death Row, uh, post-Meridian, anti-Meridian. Okay. What does he say? He's, he's reading, he's like reading from a fake Bible because it's got a gun in it. So he's just making it up and he's post-Meridian, anti-Meridian, <laughs> Uncle Meridian, all the little Meridians. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Johnny Dangerously, where'd you go? I know. Oh my God. Uh, so yes, uh, you wanted to mention the um, um, the astral projecting. Well, what we don't know is that they get lulled by those lights. But do you think they did astral project? And if so, I want to go. I want to see that journey of the three of them astral projecting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you ever astral projected? <laughs> Not lately. Yeah. Uh, no. Maybe I did once, but I don't remember. Um, God, that must have been hard for those actors, though, when they were shooting that constantly astral projecting. I know. The, like, the, yeah, because they would have had to done it for real. Because you can't fake that. Multiple days. You can't fake something that doesn't happen. <laughs> and what happens with that? They just did that. What happens when you astral project? Oh, you I believe trip? you go you go out of body and you see yourself and you float through time and space. You know, <laughs> okay. no big deal. And also, the the things that they had, it did look also kind of like an educational tool or something I like a, what a teacher has. To or like like a someone who DJs middle school dances yes. just sets on a table and that's all <laughs> the lighting they can bring. Dr. DJ. Yeah. Yeah. But did... So, the, uh, and, and 
Vincent and Ida are doing this to be kind so that they don't have to suffer. Oh, right. They, t- they, they make that comment about how creatures shouldn't suffer. And he says later, too, like, I actually treat people better than farmers treat yeah. livestock. Yeah. Um, I, I don't yeah, think it, that's we're supposed true. to think. I don't think that's true. He's cut their throats and buried them up to their necks. Right. Uh, cows don't have to, like, lose their vocal cords and stay alive buried up to their head. Yeah, he could also sedate them so that they're, they're like put them in a coma I don't what what is the shot that they give them to knock them out but I don't know what's in it but then they oh jeez yeah. and then also when she gets her champagne mickeyed and Ida mm-hmm. puts in that like green ton it just turned the champagne green <laughs> I, I thought it was gonna be like oh and then it dilutes and then it goes back to, that this person was just gonna drink green champagne <laughs> oh well I guess. Must Maybe be it was the good St. Patty's champagne. <laughs> um, any thoughts on Wolfman Jack? Wolfman Jack. I just thought he would play a bigger part. I thought the, yeah. that they were setting up the um, the televangelists to be something bigger. It's it must have just been like, well, it's you see this on TV, so let's just put it in as a reference. Yeah, uh, I did like the editing of that scene when they it it made it. A weird movie, just like the shots of the him on TV yeah. while the she was going crazy and yeah. busting things up. It was a good touch. And that guy's from Two Naked Gun Two and a Half, right? The the swinger dude, isn't he the guy who gets the uh, water hose put yeah. in his mouth? I couldn't see past how much he looks like Gallagher to me without without <laughs> long hair because Gallagher used to wear hats like that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, he does have Gallagher vibes. Yeah. Um, and. I like that whole sequence. I thought that was funny. Uh, yeah. The yeah. swingers, like, yeah. she's got a whip. Just how how childlike excited he was that he thought that these two were freaks like them, where it's just like, wow. Like, he was playing everything like it was Christmas morning, yeah. and it had a, like, innocence to it. That, that was, was yeah. I like the, the um, how they make Vincent and Ida, like, kind of wholesome people doing things it seemed like the same choice with him i was like god that's a really funny choice to make the pervy swinger guy just like yeah for him it's christmas morning <laughs> yeah um then um yeah okay then there's tubing um we talked about that uh when they do bring the fake beard guy out of the grave. Yeah. And there's a shot of him about to get chainsawed. There's an active chainsaw that is so close to that guy's neck. And <gasps> I saw that too. A, it's not a like prosthetic human. That's someone lying down. And I saw his <sighs> neck very exposed and vulnerable to a moving chainsaw. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, oh, I thought the cop finding the cars in the lake was sort of like, seemed like a psycho reference. Yeah, how definitely. Norman Bates gets rid of him. Um, now, all the smokehouse sequence scenes, like the big climax yeah. and the scenes inside the house, those, um, I found out, were filmed at Laird International Studios in Culver yeah. City. Um, I used to work on the Laird International, um, what used to be. Is it Sony now? 
Now, no, no. It, it's right next to Sony. Oh. Um, it's just, I think, called now the Culver City Studios. Oh, okay. But they, it's cool. They filmed... Um, Motel Hell there. <laughs> Motel Hell, but also... Uh, when I was working there, I found out that they filmed E.T. there, oh. like all the E.T. home stuff, and then um, all the Poltergeist stuff, too. Oh, wow. Wow, that's um, cool. But, uh, and there was some area there. Oh, oh, I know what was the coolest thing. It stood in for the front gates of the movie studio in Three Amigos when they oh, tried to get it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look up here. Look yeah, up yeah, here. yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> That's cool. Um, now, the scene where they get out of the garden and they start coming towards them. Yeah. I like that it was kind of this like weird z- zombie movie. It reminded me of an 80s video, the way they were clumped together. And not just thriller, but just something about the way they're dressed and it was lit. It just felt like... Yeah, that kind of particular light through yeah. smoke effect. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, that you see in um, music videos. Uh, now, this final climax here, the big chainsaw duel... Mm-hmm. Um, Now, I realized, um, uh, what, not realized, I wondered, what do you think the utilitarian purpose is of wearing that pig head? <laughs> I had the same exact note. Do you think it makes it more difficult to change self does. It when you wear a pig head? purely for film impact. Because it's just ridiculous. have a gonzo image, but the reveal is so great, and it this scene more than anything feels like it's just capitalizing on everything big at the time. So chainsaw massacre, mm-hmm. a killer in a mask, yep, and this is one step up from Leatherface because it's pig face, yeah. and basically what's a lightsaber fight? Yes, yeah. So it's everything happening, but the the moment when he steps out in that, you are just like. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was getting weird vibes because my first job ever was a box or a bagger at Ralph's. Mm. And then when you were really low on the totem pole, you'd go through this rotation where you had to clean the meat room. Mm. And I had to do it like late on a Sunday night. And it was like, man, I had to stay a little bit longer. And you have to get in like full, like thigh high waders and a like Ugh. smock and a like whole helmet face shield thing and it was so disgusting because they give you a turbo washer and you have to clean that room from ceiling to floor because so much has been bandsawed in there that little chunks of meat <sighs> have gotten into every little crevice and there's a drain on the floor and by the end Ugh. you have this wet conglomeration of bits tiny bits of meat that is like a <sighs> paste that you are Ugh. like um, with a squeegee, uh, like a handled, uh, full, like a broom handled squeegee, m- s- just sliding into this drain. And you go home and you've got this stuff in your hair. And it was just so disgusting. Yeah. And that, I basically walked away from the job after that. That is so gross. It was gross. It's similar to what happens in um, hog confinements before they get slaughtered, before they end up getting. Uh, in that room in Busson, in Iowa, they'll just have huge hog confinements. And when they bring the pigs out to go get them slaughtered, well, we got to clean all the shit. Oh. And so they'll get, we call it, you call it a turbo wash. 
ours was a power wash. You had to do this? No, I'd hear oh. about my friends who lived on farms who had to okay. do like chores and stuff, and it was like sounded so oh, gross. It was God. power washing pig shit down and collecting it, oh. and also just sounded like really. Oh, of course they're having teenage boys do this work. Yeah. It's really unhealthy, <laughs> and you're gonna ha- need the health of like an ox yes. in order to like withstand this. Yeah, we also I remember this is horrible, but we took a skinned sheep's head from that was just in there. Whoa! And it had, if I remember correctly, like it still had the eyeballs, and we, I made a little like, like a little placard sign that. And we put garnish around it on a tray and put it in the service deli, like the one out in the store, like in the display case. Oh my god! Because it was late at night, that would be there the next morning when people. Came. That's awesome. Did you hear what the reaction no. was? So it was really not worth it. <laughs> Stupid. I was what sixteen, seventeen. I don't know. My dad's worked, uh, I think, a lot of tough jobs, but his. I think what he considers was his toughest job was like working at a meat packing plant. Oh yeah. Where you'd see like the bullet go into the cow's heads oh, things and yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Um, yeah. I worked at an ice cream factory, so like <laughs> it couldn't have been more <laughs> like idyllic, <laughs> but I quit it after two days cause I hated it so much. Oh wow. Why? Um, uh, I think it was depression. <laughs> Truthfully, oh my god, it was like the summer between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college. It was just this rite of passage in my town because we have this big dairy plant Mm. that makes ice cream. Everybody did it. It was like, this is where you go make your big hunk of money so you can have spending money in college or save money for college. And because you're graduated, you're not playing any sports or doing anything involved in the community, really. So, why don't you just go work? And um, I went and worked it. And then, oh, when we were talking about, I was going to talk about it when we talked, Drag Me to Hell, because she's from Hungary, uh, the, the old mm-hmm. woman, I think. And the summer I worked at Wells Boo Bunny for two days, uh, two and a half days, they had a, um, a Hungarian population that they were bringing into work in the factories. Oh. Now, at this time, I was very, very, very skinny, and I was shaving my head, and the amount of people in the two days who came up to me and would start using gestures, Americans using hand gestures to communicate with me, because they thought I was oh Hungarian. I just looked like this little Hungarian boy who came to work at the factory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this final scene... <laughs> I do have the notes. Pretty good pig saw reveal, meaning the, that the, the guy. And then the next note is, but why pig head? And then <laughs> funny, it's a melodrama because it is funny that the the like damsel in distress ends up on a sawmill, and he comes like uh, Bruce comes in like uh, swinging, swinging in yeah, to yeah, save her. Pretty funny. Yeah. Um, the uh, yeah, and I love the image. I thought that was a really cool effect um, when the chainsaw got lodged oh, in yeah. Vincent's side. I yeah. thought that was pretty good. I know. This is very, um, even though it gets kind of gross, it did seem like it was pre-Friday the 13th uh, 
Halloween era gore level. Mm-hmm. Like they would cut away from stuff. It was before. the director said that he didn't want to do a lot of gore because he wanted to lean more to the comedy. And you said he didn't want to do bestiality. Yeah, there's one bestiality joke in there, right? Like when the swingers show up, they go, "Do you have a daughter?" And you're like, "Okay, so that's the kind of perv they are." And yeah. then they go, "And do you have a dog or something?" Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, pig. for people who wanted those jokes, they got them. No pig bits on Vincent when he takes off the pig head. It's just no. a clean removal, <laughs> yeah. which makes me think he's he's made that specifically f- for pig mask. And I'm sure the pig mask was an aesthetic choice, just that it looked cool and it was good for the movie. But I did wonder if that was a way to disguise, do you think it was somebody else and Rory Calhoun didn't have to do the chainsaw fight? I think it was a win-win. Yeah. So it was somebody else in there. Probably. Yeah, I don't think they would have put no, no, pig head on Rory Calhoun. No way. Um, it is a solid twist. He used preservatives. Pretty funny. And then that final song. Yes. Pretty great. Uh, a very much song of its era. I love that like st- tone and yeah. style. And I also thought um, I like um, when credits run over something other than black. So, like, it was running over the neon sign of Motel Hell. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was cool. My favorite yeah. of those is um, New York, New York, uh, that Scorsese movie. Yeah. Liza Minnelli and Robert De Niro, uh, waiting for Robert De Niro, uh, have a scene. Oh. And they say goodbye to each other, and then they part. And then it just stays on the sidewalk where they said goodbye, and the sidewalk oh, that's cool. the credits run over. And it, I felt it when I first saw the movie. I was like, God, that really touches me and then I read a review of it and somebody was saying or an essay on it and they said the reason they think it works is this kind of dovetails to the happy ending not happy ending, uh, especially since there's a sequence in there called happy endings but um, it's like um, the reason it works is because part of your brain or heart thinks well it's still going they could run back yeah. in and get back together uh, yeah again. there's hope yeah oh interesting yeah wow I I was thinking that with Motel Hell that Ida will get out. (laughs) (laughs) She does it though, huh? No, no, I guess not. Uh, It's interesting like this in Terror Train, what movie gets a sequel is baffling to me. Like these two never did, but other lesser films certainly have. Yeah, because this could have easily been, I mean, Psycho had sequels. Do you even see Vincent die? future for... Motel Horror? Uh, I don't think not so. Not exactly. It's not clear. And, and then what kind of resolve do you get with, I, I forget, with Bruce and um, Terry? They just go off to the garden and find Ida's feet and touch them and they move. And then, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's when he also reveals that he ran away as a kid, I think. No, you're right. It is the it. It's with the le- Ida's legs thing. Yeah. Huh. And then yeah, the neon sign of the O goes out. Um. <laughs> that was Motel Hell. I know. You know what's tough? Try. What's your best kill for this movie? You know what's funny? We um, I saw in my notes that I didn't. We skipped it, and so I was like, I'm gonna. We'll just wait until it's best kill, and then I'll. I'll share it. It's the fake cow in the road. The fake cows. 
that was so eerie to me. Oh. And then she gets out of the car, and then uh, Farmer Vincent is hiding behind one of the cows in like this kind of scary gas mask. Oh. And he jumps out behind the cow. Just the combination of it being strange, eerie, creepy, spooky, ridiculous, funny, all of them. I was like, oh, that's a kill that I liked and feels like what Motel Hell yeah, was. That's probably better than mine. I just have like Ivan and the Terribles in general. Because oh, it, yeah. It wasn't like, there wasn't, Ida's death is pretty lame. Well, they just kind of gang yeah. up on her and you don't see it. And then I guess maybe Vincent's, but yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't maybe because the movie, movie isn't a big death gory thing. Yeah. Oh, one fun funny thing that I liked. I liked the the gag of the um, uh, in more ways than one. But the uh, uh, the hand that is in the bucket of like slime, and Ida's trying to kick it down so the hand will go down so uh, uh, um, Terry doesn't see it and then the hand kind of ke- comes back up and she like has to kick it again I, I must have been writing a note I, uh, I must have missed that that oh. just seemed like a funny Hitchcock like yeah. dark humor thing yeah. like yeah. Uh, alright so recapping our previous scores Drag Me to Hell I had an 8.5 ooh our second hell title I know Drag Me to Motel Hell you got a you gave it a 9 I gave it an 8.5 out of 13 People Under the Stairs, you gave a 7.5. I gave a 5.5. Terror Train, we both gave 10s. Body Double, I gave a 7. You gave it an 11. I think I I would probably revisit that score for myself at some point. Gremlins, 11.5 for me, 13 for you. The Brood, 11 for me, 10.5 for you. Sleepaway Camp, 8 for me, 11.5 for you. Um, Sorry, um... Motel Hell is now, so okay. Boy. Wow. Um, I think I got mine. I think I got mine too. I'm gonna go seven. I'm gonna go six. Wow, there it is. That's funny because I would have thought you liked this better than I did. And so did I. So now I feel like I need to change it. To I feel like I need to I... change my. Should we both do six point fives? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we did this before. <laughs> it was because it was. Um, the one I rated lowest, I thought I liked this less than the one I ranked lowest. Yeah. I, I think I, I like it second lowest, so I'll put it there. Yeah, your least favorite was? I think it's People Under the Stairs. Yeah, yeah. But I was happy to have watched it. Well, it's funny. When I told Leslie I chose People Under the Stairs, she was like, that's not good. <laughs> that movie's not good. Doesn't matter. Yeah. And this movie wasn't good. But I liked it uh, getting to watch it because yeah, I hadn't seen it before. Yeah. So I got to see a movie that I've always Worth the experience. been very interested in. And the, I'd see the video cover all the time and be like, I want to get that. So we're down to American Werewolf in London and Scanners. Yes. Is, is what's left to pick. And so what are my numbers? Well, uh, one in ten. <sighs> I'm going to go ten. Ten is American Werewolf Whoa, in London. Oh, the Bib Fortuna movie. All right. <laughs> Okay, it's exciting. <laughs> It'll be our first of hopefully two Bib Fortuna performances that we'll get to see, or that actor. Is he in Scanners? No, uh, hopefully we'll watch Jedi at some point. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah God, did it take this long until the end of the episode before we mentioned Jedi? Well, at least we got it in under the wire. Yeah, for the drinking game, people. Yeah. Uh, well, good work today. Yeah, nice work, Gorley. Um, back in London. And you know what will be exciting with American Werewolf in London? That's a, a, um, 
I think the first movie we've had yet, maybe of these ten, but maybe all, about what we are. Two buddies. Oh, that's right. It's about two buddies. Just backpacking on the moors. Yep. Oh, yeah. Wearing those awesome down parkas. <sighs> God, could, I could see the two of us in those parkas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big are time. you kidding? Big time. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll make that happen. <laughs> uh, instead of saying big time there, I should have said pig time. Pig time. <laughs> to celebrate this. Uh, but thank you so much for introducing me to Motel Hell, oh, Orly. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you, thank you. And uh, to next week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early, plus monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Wood, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Ken. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.